The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving for all of those who celebrate, most likely most folks in the U.S., and uh, those who got a day off, and those who just ate well. Um, I am your host, Roddy Katz, and you can find me at Roddy Katz on Twitter and now Hive. You can also find me on uh, at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Happy day after Thanksgiving for, you know, that's the day that we chose to record. So thanks for joining us. Because that's where I am hosting from. Indeed, indeed. And you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Cold Slither Podcast uh, Network's SoundCloud page, and now on Hive at Cold Slither, uh, excuse me, at uh, Comic Book Cron. There it is. Because, you know, you, 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 you got to stake your claim, even though I'm hearing reports of uh, someone can still <laughs> use the same name at this point for some reason, but. It is what it is. Yeah, we have to take precautions. We have to take measures and steps. So, you know what, folks? We're all in this particularly weird state of social media upheaval. So we'll see what happens. Stick yeah. with us. Either and way. It's, and it's a new uh, new social media site. So they're getting their legs on them. So they need some time. But apparently there are a lot of... Um, that's where a lot of the um, comic book uh, creator folks ended up going. Yes. A lot of them. <laughs> yes, many of them. I saw lots of Insta posts mm. and a few Twitter posts saying to to follow them on Hive. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, so join us on there. We'll try to keep that nice and populated, probably slightly in a similar manner to uh, the Instagram, but you know, we'll see how that works out. At any rate, uh, we are here tonight, as I just haven't said, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, all nice and, and plump and fed and all that kind of good mess uh, <laughs> uh, separately. But uh, comics never sleep. Sometimes we do, but comics never sleep. But we're going to start off with 
a spoiler free slash light recap of Star Wars Andor's finale. Yes, episode 12. So ultimately, we do not want to spoil too, too much of this, folks, because, you know, people get tied up preparing for Thanksgiving. People are traveling. You might be listening to this podcast and still not have had a, an opportunity to watch the 12th and final episode of season one of Andor. So we are going to take it very easy on the spoilers, but just in case, here we have the spoiler bell to let you know we're going to be touching upon at least some spoiler-ish talk for Andor season 12, season one, episode 12, that is, in three, two, one, spoilers incoming. Yeah, so um, the episode is called Rick's Road, uh, which is a place of note uh, that has been in and out of this series of note um, because it is basically the seems like it's like the main street amongst the uh, d- despite the history that it also has on it. Um, right. But it, but it seems like it is the main street of Ferrix. Um, the the folks are everyone on all sides are. Uh, getting ready for um, the procession, the 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 going home procession of uh, Marva Andor, um, that in, that includes the the uh, the ISB uh, and uh, the, the 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 town folks and um, a newly incoming Cassian Andor, who just happened to 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 to, to pop up after hearing about um, after hearing about his uh, mom's passing his. His adopted mom's passing, passing. Let's say, because not his real mom, but yeah, right. Um. So that's pretty much the 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 crux of it. The the ISB is thinking they're setting the trap because you know knowing knowing that um uh, Cassian's mom is dead, they're thinking it's like, well, he's got to come home, right? And they're looking for him, and Luthen's looking for him, and everybody's looking for him. Um. That one creepy, <laughs> creepy dude, Cyril, just happened to find out also and is looking for him. So everybody's come together on Ferrix just for for pretty much for um, for Cassian's sake, let's just say. Yeah, right. Um, and um, this is, um, I would say it's a longer than normal episode because it was longer than what they have been because this is actually pretty much stretching a full hour, it looks like. Mm. Um, and uh, this is one thing with, I am. I was about to hold that thought with a post credits or mid credits. That which is where I was about to go. Yeah, I was about to say. And spoiler alert. Yeah, there's a there's a the first official Star Wars uh, in credit scene. Yep. So yes, um, and it, and it did not disappoint because it answers a question that I'm that I know people have had since probably three or four episodes ago. Um. As to, as to a thing, we won't, obviously we will not spoil that. But uh, a, a big thing that people have been asking, actually, somebody was like, "It'd be funny if," um, which I knew for a fact that it wasn't. But it was like somebody on online was like, "It'd be funny if it just rolls right on into uh, Rogue One," which Rogue One kind of did the same thing with A New Hope. But we know that you know this is getting another. Um, another exactly, there's season. another whole season to roll into Rogue One. Right. So I knew that wasn't going to be okay, but I found that funny that. Um, Somebody, somebody did that, but it also, in a way, kind of did. 
Not directly, but <laughs> yeah, not directly, not directly. But ultimately, I'll say I'll tell you that I listened to a podcast, and and, I, and my memory is shot uh, nowadays, folks. You know, because I don't take as many notes when I'm listening to podcasts, and so I kind of jumble some of the podcasts that I listen to. So I've forgotten which podcast I listened to, and I uh, you know, and I flubbed this a few weeks ago. Which particular podcast I listened to that had Tony Gilroy, the writer. Uh, you know, basically the showrunner of Andor on it. And he basically let, you know, the, the podcasts hosts know, uh, as well as the listeners that there's going to be quite a time jump between Andor, like the, the events of, uh, you know, various events during Andor season two and the events of, uh, rogue one. So it's not going to be, you know, uh, the, course of it's not going to the story that's covered in indoor season two is not going to cover the span of months or even a year it's going to be maybe several years at a pop so you know for like a a certain story arc so ultimately we will see how that develops next season right and i can't remember i don't know if you heard that um, that it wasn't, I knew, well, I believe there has been stories about where the, where it's going. Yes. But not, you know, I, I don't not remember the time jump part. Right. I don't remember seeing about the time jump part though. Right. But yes, no, I know I, where it's going. I specifically heard that. So, right. Uh, in fact, we may or may not, actually we might not know. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I have seen news about where it's going, put it this way. Mm-hmm. Potential places. Well, where it, the place is, excuse me, where it's going, but when one minute in particular. At any rate, um, like I said, t- saying too much more would probably give away some stuff we don't want to necessarily do, but I will go so far as to say that, uh, as I was telling Agent 70 before the show, like, I wasn't sure what to expect out of this, um, out of this finale, but it was fitting. Um, and um, it has me still continuously excited to uh, to see the next season come up whenever that happens. Listen, ultimately, I think that uh, you know, you know, we've read and 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 heard some you know kind of disappointing things about the the amount of viewership, the level of viewership for this show, and it's disappointing because this is probably the best Star Wars we've gotten, TV or movie, in a while. And especially live action, you know, hands down, live action is probably the best Star Wars we've gotten in a Mm. long time. And, you know, I've heard this and I've said this on the show that uh, Andor is Star Wars for grownups. And I've had people agree with me. I've had, you know, I've also heard that there are some people that that kind of miss the Jedi stuff. And I understand that. But ultimately, this is really great storytelling. It's really solid writing by Tony Gilroy and friends, because we know that he did not write the entirety of the season, but he basically, uh, show ran or shepherded the entirety of the, um, of the show. So ultimately we have him and that writing staff, that writer's room to thank for a really strong, uh, season of star Wars television that definitely felt not like, you know, traditional star Wars, right. you know, if you're into, um, and I'll tell you this, uh, I've played, and and I've mentioned this before. I've played some Star Wars role playing in the past, and I was one of those people that was fixated on being a Jedi. Now, 
And it's probably because I was not one of the people who was up on the comic book lore, nor was I up on the novel lore, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the extended universe, the, the formerly extended universe stuff. And well, now what's now become extended universe stuff, that is. Right. And uh, because I wasn't up on that, I didn't really, you know, care for pilots and mechanics and spies and uh, uh, Republic soldiers and mercenaries and all the other characters that you find yourself uh, possibly playing as a role player in, you know, a Star Wars role playing game. Uh, I wanted the force. I wanted magic powers. I wanted a laser sword. Right. <laughs> but now I have mu- a, a much deeper affinity for the characters that you might be able to play as a member of, you know, the, the nascent resistance, the nascent uh, rebellion, and I understand the you know where they're coming from a lot better now, you know, really because of the writing behind this show. It really is that strong, folks. So I would say that you know it's you know this show has done a lot for my deeper understanding of the rebellion in Star Wars. And right. the and the and the characters and and the conditions that lead to fomenting rebellion, <laughs> pockets, <laughs> exactly pockets of resistance that don't know that they are working together. Yes. Oh yeah, that dude. That dude was around uh, this episode, but he didn't really say too much. <laughs> that dude. I don't know what to say. Anyway. Um, Oh, actually, going back to well, yeah. So going off what you were saying about that, I never played the RPG, RPG, but I've seen enough of it to know that you know, like, yeah, I probably would have wanted to play Jedi, but also I kind of teetered around bounty hunters and smugglers, kind of wanting to see, you know, to uh, play that side of it. You know, if I were to ever play it. I'm, no, I don't have it. I, about to say, I, I think I have a copy of the game, but I don't. But I know I don't. I, oh, have I, a, I was about to say, I definitely do have like an older rule book. I have a Star Wars game, but I think it's the card game. Um, mm. So, which kill surprise there for anybody who knows. But sure. um, um, I have the book that has a cut that has a art from uh, the prequel tr- trilogy on it. Is it the red one? The red uh, red cover. I'll book? get it in a second. Hold on. Okay. While he's getting that, I'm gonna say um, hello to everybody that's watching, uh, watching and/or listening after the fact. Uh, shout out to Benji Games too, who, who's uh, in the chat, been coming through. Appreciate you coming through. Hope you had a good uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, if you celebrate, uh, that is, so them leftover uh, sandwiches and soups will will be hitting this weekend. I am very sure. So. Oh, and actually, um, eight and seven reminds me. I have a show and tell later on in the show. Okay, that's not. I know. Playing, One second. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. No, that's not happening. Oh, I I really wish a, I had put up my green screen tonight, folks. One got second. Got a force ghost thing going on, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Let's see, I did hope the same for both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. We had, uh, yeah, it was good. Hey, there we go. Let me, hang on. Let me give you the close up here. Beep. There we go. Oh, that one. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. This is copyright. Yeah, this is from Wizards of the Coast. 
So mm-hmm. when is this copyright? 2002. Wow. That's how old this is. Yeah. And Wizard, I don't know if Wizard's doing anything with it, actually. Not I think, no, I think um, Fantasy Flight has it. They don't, uh, Wizards don't even own the, the Star Wars uh, license. Role playing game? Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, Fantasy Flight has it. I have to look that up. Um, anyway, um, that being said, that's cool, though. Um, I looked it up while we were, doing, while we were going through with the book. Just, just taking time to do that now. But um, the only other thing I had, was going to mention about the uh, from the show was there was a character. As soon as I saw him show up, I was like, "This dude needs to get." It. And I hated the, the fact that it was a black black dude. <laughs> oh, the traitor! Yes, and I hated. It. I was like, you know what? You got to so go. I that. Yeah, I was like this dude, and I knew he was up coming, going. Uh, you know, he was there for no good, and sure enough, I was like, so, I, and I hated it for him. But not, well, not didn't hate it for him, but he had to go. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. So, but uh, I was like, why it had to be him? Why it had to be the brother? Man, come on. Come on. <laughs> so, but otherwise, like I said, it was it was a it was a great episode. Looking forward to next season. That being said, we can uh, unless I just has got something else. No, no, okay. no, yeah, no. Can... Although this brings back fun memories. Now, uh, uh, it's funny. So you Google that, like if there is a Star Wars RPG out there. Uh, I mean, it's probably still around. I think. Um, I I think. Fancy Fancy Flight has it though. Star Wars RPG. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. Age of Rebellion RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fancy Flight. Yep. Yeah, they have it now. I had never. I've never heard of Fantasy Flight games. They've been around a few years at this point, uh, and I think this is one of the things that I've known them for. Like they, they, you know, they do a lot of uh, role playing stuff. But um, this, I think, this is where I, I found out about them. Mm. So yeah, so yeah, they took it up from uh, Wizards, which so, which is a slightly surprise, but at the same time, I guess you know at the time that Wizards gave it up, Star Wars was not the <laughs> was was not the property it it, um, it come back into be. They even have a Lord of the Rings one, by the way. Oh, Fantasy Flight. Yeah, and they have a Marvel oh, one too. Oh no, it's Marvel well, Champions. Guess- so yeah, that's right. That's other Marvel Champions is the card game I showed you. That they 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 also do that. They also do card games. I see it. I see it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on their website. Not you know we're yeah. not promoting anything. We have no. a my, a my Hero Academia game too. Mm. Okay. So yeah, they 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 like that. They're they're they've been doing some things. Uh, but nevertheless, we are going to move over into talking about uh, Agent Seventy saw. The Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special, and while it just came out uh, the day of our recording, he's not going to spoil it, and I haven't seen no, it. No, I am not going to spoil it. Although I will tell you that one, there is a post-credit scene. It truly is post-credits, like right at the end. So you know, there I believe there is a button that you can press. Uh, you know, it does give you a cue to um, to skip right to the post-credit scene. Mm, okay. So um, you know that pops up. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's enjoyable. Yes, you know, it's not a spoiler because we know what the basis of the story is. It does revolve around Kevin Bacon, who does play himself in fact. So it's 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 it's, a, it's fun. It's lighthearted. There are plenty of I will tell you that there are plenty of connective 
through lines between Guardians 2, the special, and what will be Guardians 3. Which that there has been rumored. Right. There are n- little to no connections to the Ragnar- to um Anything to uh, Love and Thunder, that is. Right. Oh, you right. Know, yeah, they did show up there. Right. right. There's little to no connection to Love and Thunder. But at the end of the day, what we know in Love and Thunder, and we're not spoiling this one because it, this movie's been out for a while. We talked right. about it. That, you know, the, the Guardians and Thor do part ways in that movie. So we, there's no real need necessarily for connective, uh, you know, for, for any uh, lines of connection between that movie and this special. Hmm. I didn't put it in the, the news lineup, but I think I came across some news that possibly could be a spoiler for the holiday special, but uh, I didn't read all the way through it. Um, okay. So I don't I don't know if that's the case, because it could have been very well been something about um, Guardians 3. Gotcha. So, but I suspect this character is probably in, involved with both, let's just say. Sure. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm probably gonna watch it um, d- during the course of this weekend. I probably actually I so I watched Andor like like early this morning, like uh, like three o'clock this morning. So I was up when the Guardian special came out. Oh, okay. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'll watch it later. But I didn't just didn't get around to it. So tis what tis. That being said, we can get over into the the um, the books of the week. And uh, we are going to start off with, excuse me, um, Amazing Spider-Man number 14. So, Amazing Spider-Man number 14 is written by Zeb Wells. This issue is divided into four parts. In you know, in, in into four story parts, four segments of the story, and they each have different artistic teams connected to them. The first one is titled Spring, with art by Michael Dowling and colors by Richard Isenove. Uh, Summer is up next, with art by Kyle Hotz and colors by Dan Brown. Next comes Fall, with pencils and colors by Terry Dodson, inks by Rachel Dodson, and finally Winter, with pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by Tim Townsend and J.P. Mayer, and colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Letters throughout the issue are by our very favorite Paisan, who letters VCs Joe Caramagna. Ultimately, this is the setup to the dark web crossover between the X-Men and Amazing Spider-Man, wherein we find out just how Chasm formerly uh, the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, makes his way into the presence of one Goblin Queen, a.k.a. Madeline Pryor. Now, if you read the, um, the free comic book day issue, you knew what was going on, but ultimately they hammer this point home in this issue that these two characters have one very strong um, aspect of their origins, their natures in common, in that they are both, and if you're a fan of this show and you know, and and you have a little bit of history, um, uh, uh, historical comic book knowledge uh, on you, or you're just of a certain vintage, 
you will know, know and understand that these characters are both clones of prominent Marvel Comics heroes. And that's essentially where this, well, you know, the, uh, the, the story kind of uh, emanates and, 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 and continues from that connection. Yeah, even with that, it was, even knowing that um, Madeline was going to be a part of this, it was still weird that she would be a part of this because of her recent, um, um, her, her recent turn in, in New Mutants. But they, they slightly address that, but it still doesn't make that complete amount of sense. Like, maybe there's going to be a little bit more to it. Now, granted, from what we find out here, whether things are going to get directly tied to her or not, but the fact that she's with it in the, in any case is still kind of weird to me. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with part of that because I think that they addressed it and it will probably strike many as being somewhat true to character. Yes, right? but at the, the same time, I forget characterization, you. Right, the recent characterization in New Mutants was what felt wrong to me. Really? For Matt, you know, her her recent characterization, uh, got the Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor's characterization, felt a little off to me. But the way um, was that Vita? Vita Yala, um, I believe she is the one writing New Mutants. Oh, they, excuse me, not, not she, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, uh, Vita Ayala, I think, finished, wrapped up uh, their run on that book. I think right, you're With right. that Madeline Pryor story, correct? I believe you are right. I, you know, like, uh, we always joke about our memories going because we read too many books, folks. But ultimately, uh, the way that story was wrapped had Madeline Pryor taking over the uh, the leadership, the rule of Limbo over from uh, Magic. Uh, you know, Ileana Rasputin. And so the reasons for that were, at least to me, a little bit, you know, I don't want to say sus. I am too old for that. Suspect is the old school term, which is just sus shortened. Uh, you know, you know, is, is you know, which is, is is shortening, you know, shortening of suspect. I just thought it, that particular characterization was a little suspect. And I, I feel like this characterization of the Goblin Queen is much more true to what we understood her character to be. So this is and let me tell you why I'm going to disagree with that. Like, yes, you are right about that. But at the same time, they have been doing a lot to kind of redeem a lot of mutants on Krakoa. Like they that, uh, they did it with uh, surprisingly enough with um, Shadow King and whatnot. Uh, and so. I figured they were trying to turn her, turn the corner. I was like, no, we're going to get her away from that stuff and try to redeem her. Some other, and that's why they put her in that position as opposed to bringing her back once again to her old thing. Like, just like, that's I'm like, all right, we've seen her in this before. Like, you know, that I felt like the, the stuff that we're doing that they were trying to do in new mutants is probably a better fit, not a better fit. Let me phrase that just a different fit because like, once you put somebody like that into this and to see how they kind of turn out, if they were going to use her anymore, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would much rather see that than her going back to this old, the same old, same old thing. So while right. classically, it's, yes, it's, you're right. Exactly. It is definitely true to her classic character, but it's like, why are we back here again? So soon. 
I, I would just say that, you know, giving her, you know, basically taking Ileana away as a foil. Right. Because I think that's the difference. And mm. and ultimately, we'll see if this character, is, if, if this reversion of character sticks or if, you know, this this redemption arc that they're trying to put her on, that they seem to be trying to put her on sticks. You know, we'll see which one actually remains or if they kind of find something in the middle and have her be that chaotic neutral, <laughs> you know, you know, shout out to uh, uh, the <laughs> she's, D&D, uh, she's the mutant, you know Loki, what I mean? Basically. What's that? She's the mutant Loki, basically. Right. Or something along those lines, you know, uh, you know, in that her alignment is not necessarily good or evil, but definitely on the side of chaos. Right. So. Yeah. You know, we'll see how that rolls, but ultimately, you know, that's what this issue sets up is the whole point of this crossover. Mm, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, we'll see, but like I said, it, it's still this part of it just, just doesn't strike right with me for because of especially the object of her pursuit in in, in this thing is kind of weird. But we also know the X Men are going to be involved with this uh, with this dark web thing, so we'll see right. how that all plays out. Um, that being said, I'm not sure there's anything else to say. About no, it. no, not without spoiling too, too much. But, you right. know, we, we ultimately see that, uh, you know, how, how this partnership uh, is, is, is formed. And we also have the introduction of a brand new character. Uh, at least a, a character takes on a new persona. Yes. Oh, actually, yeah. And speaking of New Mutant Run, apparently I did not know this before reading this issue was that Deb Wells actually wrote some New Mutants back in the day that that this references back to. Uh, in in one small part. So you mean post Hawksbox? Yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Way. When before. you say way, you make me think before Hawksbox. I'm like, oh, no, this no, is yeah, post-Hawks. way before. This was like 2000. Oh, I forgot because I read it. I actually oh, read the Hawksbox. So, okay. Yeah, way before Hawksbox. It was like okay. early to mid 2000s. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was it was uh, New Mutants Volume Three, um, which was like 2005 or six or something like that. I don't know. It was, it was a while back. But either way, like I, said, I read the episode earlier because I wanted to see what the context was what they were bringing up here which doesn't seem like it was much but nevertheless it was like the end of his uh his run on the on new mutants so i'm like huh okay and also two things um the bill collector dude which we were prom- well which apparently we were promised that he was going to show back up he does show back up in this and you know he has a he has a part to play Right. Uh, in this weird and he novel. was surprisingly aggressive for someone collecting for a hospital bill. Right. I'm like, yo, that is not realistic. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he needs to have his he he needs to have his come up as real very, very soon, but apparently um there, there's there's things in store for a dude. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's I'm just like, wait a second, man. Seriously, right? Like I was on the same line. Like you coming off like real, like. Granted, what I expected for such an aggressive action happened to him, but then what happens after that? <laughs> right. I just like, got huh. you know. I, I was just like, wow. You know what? Good. You know, like you know. I'm I'm glad they 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 got this guy. You know. Right. Right. 
Because I was like, because when they said it was like, oh, yeah, we hadn't seen him in a couple of issues. And and, and think it was a foot. And I was like, oh, don't worry, you'll see him again. And here we are to this. And sure. <laughs> it was it was it ended up being kind of amusing, I dare say. Um, the only other thing it was like there was a. I know sometimes you have to have to put one and two together to kind of to to get someone's involvement of a thing. The same went with the the Madeline Pryor thing, but Janine's involvement at the beginning of this, or what led to her involvement of this, seems like a weird quick escalation. Like it's not outside of the realm of her character that we know of. Like granted, she's I don't know that much about this character, but like I said. It doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities for her character, but it seemed kind of quick, right? For what happened in here, you know? Because first she was like, "No, I'm getting away from all of this," and then I was like, "No, I'm all in." <laughs> so, and I recognize that's that's kind of a thing you, you kind of have to you kind of have to do. You don't have to have to do in comics, but you kind of got to get there some kind of way. So I recognize that, but it still seemed kind of quick and weird. Mm-hmm. So, nevertheless. That was uh, amazing, Spider-Man fourteen. The dark web stuff is 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 uh, quickly upon us. Um, yep. So yeah, I guess next issue or whatever the next uh, no, the next line in that event is going to come soon. Uh, that being said, we can go over to I don't know, pick a book. Uh let's do X Men seventeen. Okay, sure. So X-Men number 17 is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Joshua Cassara. Uh, Colors are by Guru EFX and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowell. So it's the conclusion of sorts to a story you did not think you wanted. And it is the return to uh, the vault. Mm -hmm. And Forge is encountering some issues on the other side of the vault as he is on a rescue mission and the rescue mission does not go exactly as he expected with some unexpected surprises that were revealed in the cliffhanger page on the cliffhanger page of uh, the last issue. And so we have here the follow-up and conclusion to Forge's uh, adventures in the vault and dealing with uh, certain children of the vault. Ultimately, though, things kind of work out, and there is a mystery left at the end of the issue that you have to read the text page to understand. Right. So, yeah, like, I think, I dare say, his original mission unbeknownst to him went off as planned it doesn't seem like that way on the surface but i think judging from that 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 letter page that you're talking about it did and it didn't because as we come to find out in the course of the story like yeah what he what he went in there for he didn't think he went in he he got but i suspect some aspect did come out with with him right right well that's the mystery Right. That's the mystery. We're not 100% sure what this page means just yet. Right. But it seems slightly obvious. If if you, well, actually it's not, it's not slightly. Let me rephrase. It seems obvious to me. I'm going to say it that way. Judging by what that pe- uh, page was saying. Mm-hmm. What happened. 
Right. Uh, and given what we know about one of the, uh, uh, his original mission, I'll say. Right. But it's still a mystery. Yes. It's so, not, it's definitely not a hundred percent clear. You know, it may seem, that's why I didn't want to say that it seems, you know, completely clear who it is right. and just leave it up to interpretation because when people read it, they will probably come up with the same conclusion that you and I did. But ultimately it's still left vague for us to see where this, de- you know, where this develops going forward hmm. as, you know, it seems like they're going to keep touching upon issues that come up with this vault, with the vault, you know, and, 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 and who they ultimately end up rescuing from the vault. Right. And that is um, more to the forefront of my curiosity. Well, the, the mystery also definitely, but um, the person he does end up rescuing, um, that's going to cause something that's going to cause a wrinkle in Krakoa, at least for the time that this character is around. Cause like, you got to figure something's going to happen with this character mm-hmm. and, and another character. Um, the, if, if, and, or when they interact, because clearly there's going to be some things, to, you know, there's some things to, to they have to hash things out. out. Exactly. Right. So, and like I said, without giving it away, but yeah, you would also have to remember the the original mission that uh, that caused Forge and them to have to go in there in the first place, so which we will not uh, go into. But it's curious; it's, it's curiosity nonetheless. So J- uh, Jerry Duggan has uh, stoked some fires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely some some different directions that the story can go in now. Right. So I am I'm quite curious about that um that being said though we can push on to you want to hit that uh, dr strange book or do you think no okay that was a weird no, there's one not, but... uh, there's not much to it it's a, it's a weird read i guess yeah. we could just talk about it very quickly dr strange fall sunrise number one of four so this is a four issue limited series it's written and drawn by Trad Moore with colors by Heather Moore. Letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles and Trad Moore. So this is a trip. Now, I was not high, nor was I drunk when I read this. <laughs> so maybe that hindered my comprehension of what was going on. I don't think it would have ultimately, ultimately, or at least my appreciation for what was going on. Ultimately, uh, there is minimal text when you get to the mid to late part of the book. A lot of the setup is, you know, early-ish, early on, and it's still rather hard to decipher what's going on, right? Ultimately, um, there is, uh, at least to me, sounded like Whitney Houston because it was nothing, nothing, nothing. And I was just like laughing to myself when I read that. I was like, seriously, Tradmore? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was yeah. like, yo, why is that <laughs> popping into my head? And that's literally what's on the page. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of that. It, Trad, Tradmore's um, art has always, well, not always, but for a lot of times been a bit trippy. 
uh, and works for certain stuff. And this is one of the cases where it works, but it, to me, it also kind of detracted from the story because there was a lot going on in the art and it was borderline a bit too psychedelic at times. Even though it it felt straightforward, it, like it's particularly straightforward, but at the same time, it was like it was the pages were all busy. Yeah, and what's funny is that uh, this miniseries seemed to touch upon uh, Stephen Strange's origin, right. right? So it's definitely meant for people who don't necessarily have the most familiar, the 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 the, the greatest amount of familiarity with with the character, although you know. Or at least it serves as a refresher, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this will read much easier as a collected trade when all four issues come out. I would like to believe so. Part of me, based on some text uh, in that, was thinking, wait, is this what happened Like right after he, quote-unquote, died? Before what we know ends up happening in, in The Painters of Strange? Right. So that, it kind of made me wonder about this, or this could very well be some lost, quote unquote, new old uh, story that we, you know, that, that that they're retconning in for some odd reason. Uh, right. We don't know that yet, but to me, I it felt better to me if I was reading this. I was like, oh wait, this is what happened after he died. <laughs> this is the trip he took after he died. No, because spoiler alert: we know that's not necessarily the case. Exactly. Even though it kind of is. If that doesn't make any sense. But next time we talk about uh, uh, Strange, I'm sure that will this will come back up. So stay tuned, mm. folks. But nevertheless, yeah, so this is this is part one of four. And yeah, I don't know. I'm a, probably going to continue reading it because it's got me curious, uh, especially with that character that, that uh, came in near the end of this book. Because I've seen images of that character um, on social media. So I'm kind of curious as to you know, what their stake in this or what, what, what their part in this is. I was like, is this going to be another Sana? <laughs> Which is a character we hadn't seen in a couple of volumes of Doctor Strange, but um, th- that's the first thing I thought of uh, when, when, uh, when this, when this character, character showed up. But we shall see. Uh, that being the case, I guess if we're going to have one more book, I know the one that you, you would probably want to talk about if we're going to talk about it. Might as well go ahead and get sure. it, right? And that's sure, we're going to mention it. Yeah, we're going to mention it now because um, I think it was probably one of those books that uh, really struck a chord with uh, with multiple members of the Comic Book Chronicles panel. And that is G.I. Joe. Surprise, surprise, surprise. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 300, published for the last time, at least for this volume, for the last for the last time. By IDW. The book is written by Larry Hama with art by S.L. Gallant, inks by Maria Keene, colors by Jay Brown, and letters by Neil Uyetake. So if you have not been keeping up with G.I. Joe as it raced to its uh, publishing conclusion, and I say that specifically as it raced to its publishing conclusion at IDW because you know if you're not familiar with it there is kind of a greatest hits reprise 
nature to this story. <laughs> that's yes, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> and you know, this is nothing against Larry Hama because he's the one that wrote it. Right. So if there's anyone that's going to do a reprise or a remix or you know, like you know, take take his story, take his own stories. And, you know, scratch and mix and, and, you know, put the fader on it and, 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 and change the, the speed and the tempo and, you know, flip the beats. He's the one to do it. Yeah. So I have to, you know, give him a lot of latitude when it comes to this. But I definitely appreciated some of the, um, some of the things that happen in this issue, some of the, the moments that happen in this issue, because I, I found myself kind of like, ooh, that's so cool. Right off the gate. Right out the gate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of classic characters that play a part in this that, you know, harken back to, you know, the like my heyday as a G.I. Joe fan. Yeah, the Marvel run. Exactly. And, you know, the, you know, everyone from Wade Collins, they, they refer to, uh, uh, Storm Shadow as Tommy, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't call him Tommy Arashikage, but you know, they, they, he's Tommy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, um, I think that was his last name, you know, like I, it's supposed to translate into Storm Shadow. He, yes, Sure. I don't remember, but yes, the, we'll, we'll go with that because <laughs> yeah, I can't. Cause, now I'm going to Google that just because depending on right because depending on the medium where where he shows up, they have done different things with his name and or you know origin whatever. So right, the, the less we talk about the movies, the better. <laughs> yeah, originally known as uh, Tomisaburo Arashikage. Okay, okay, so. All right. So, but ultimately, you know, and I'll hand it off to Roddy Cat. I will say that, you know, it it, it definitely hit me straight in the nostalgia feels. Um, It, you know, uh, the action was just wonderful. We get to see the whale, the hovercraft in action, which is one, which is probably Mm -hmm. the last vehicle that I conceivably could have asked for. Because I was not getting the aircraft carrier. No. no, I was not getting the USS flag, but the whale was kind of like that borderline. Like, am I getting too old for this? Will my parents really get me this? That whale was one of the coolest toys that I was like, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, the, all, the only thing I'm really going to say is. There is some new, there is definitely a lot of old. I would say if you are of a certain vintage and you do remember the Marvel run, this will strike you in the, um, the, the early portions of that run because where there was a lot of action. I mean, not saying it wasn't later on, but like the core of, uh, that series, especially in the beginning of it, which is like, they're getting into some stuff and, and, you know, action, action, action. Uh, and with especially with uh, a a few key um members you know from both sides right. leading right basically leading the charge and leading right. the action um uh, we also have you know the 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 resurfacing of certain concepts like serpentor yes and so you know there's a span <laughs> of right there's a span of time in the comics it's basically up to like roughly issue 50 of the original marvel run 
that contains most of those Sorpentor, you know, like everything up to Sorpentor. Right. And that was the highlight, the the heyday of my G.I. Joe fandom. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that ran from issue one through issue 50. Yeah, uh, Benji Games 2 says cover D is awesome yet, which I have up uh, on the, if you're watching the video version, that's the cover I have up right now. Yeah, it is it's a pretty cool cover. Um, yes. We talked about this cover, like, in the news because no, we had a lot one. Not that one. It's not that one. You're oh, no. Which one? Which one do you have up? I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, no. The 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 cover you're talking about is the one they use for the, the that's the, I think that's cover A. Um, right. But this one that I have up is basically got, like, it's like some Joes on the top, some some Cobras on the bottom, and they're fa- like facing each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's a cool looking cover though. Um, but I yeah, think it's but in no, the issue. I was about to say, I think they have it in the issue at the yes. back. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. Those the, the discovery is in the back of the issue. Um, yeah, matter of fact, I'm go ahead and put it back on the regular cover. There we go. That's cover A there, which with with everybody on there. Yeah, we definitely did talk about that cover <laughs> uh uh some weeks ago because one, it's an awesome uh project. Two, at a certain point, neither one of ours or both of ours um familiarity with uh the characters stop at a certain part of the uh cover. If you start right. from the and, bottom and up, what we appreciate it exactly. What we appreciate is that there's certain tiers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of uh, you know, like uh, that reflect in that kind of coliseum setup or auditorium setup that that are just completely unfamiliar to us as people of a certain vintage. Right. So, I would say, um, well, one oh, and also the other thing is like I was surprised. So when we talked about this book um probably about four issues ago i thought that was the end of it and i've I've said that before so i won't really harp on that and i said they had uh weirdly ended the idw run on a cliffhanger and then to get to this issue and they actually did (laughs) (laughs) they did i was just like what (laughs) so i was so technically i was right but just at the wrong time but yeah. I was like, "What, really?" Because uh, and, and it's a it's a bigger than normal book, so there was there's a, a backstory after that which uh, harkens back to the PSAs, which was cool. But you know, right. um, it's a it's a it's a good book to pick up whether you are like granted you'll be lost on the last arc of it uh, of the of this story, but uh, I think it's still a good issue to pick up, and probably people are going to pick up because it's going to be. Uh, I collect this item because it's the last one of the IDW run. Whether it's going to be, you know, worth too much more than the the Marvel run, it is what it is. But it is the continuation of the Marvel run. Like they started it back in back in like what two fifty five, um, I believe, or around about there in IDW where Lama, uh, Hama picked it up from his Marvel run. So right. This is pretty much the 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 one GI Joe book that's been consistently going since then because there's been like three or four other volumes of GI Joe that uh, IDW has put up and all of those are gone. This is the this right. is the one that's uh, stuck around because right. all the different reboots and retellings and rethinkings right. of the uh, of the Joe story, but you know Larry Hama's still plugging away and I have to tell you I had a lot of fun reading this, folks. Indeed, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Like I said, even if you don't know. Like that, even if you don't know what happened in the last arc or or sub- subsequent, what's been going on in this book, because there has been some things going on in this book that's like some people didn't like, which arguably one of them might have gotten kind of reversed in this. But um, there's been some things and some new characters and like who are these people and and this and then the other and 
wise and whatnot, which actually just kind of makes me want to go back to the beginning of the run and kind of read through it if I ever had time or, you know, want to get some time here and there because I'm pretty sure we probably have them <laughs> for the most part. And I know they, the the trades of the uh, some of the um, are, are out. Most of the trades are out at this point, with the exception of the last couple. So, but this was definitely a fun read for this. It, it went out with a bang, even though it was a cliffhanger. Um, uh, and it kind of makes me curious about to, um, you know, where the next run's going to go when it gets to wherever it goes, which I think has not officially come out yet. Right. Right. You know, we we talked speculatively about it. Right. And there has been some news, you know, and rumors uh, floating out there that I think we've talked about in back channel talk, mm-hmm. but not necessarily on the show because, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, we're 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 well, while we're not completely above talking about gossip, you know, we try not to, you know, spread too much of it. And, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, ultimately we will see where the G.I. Joe real American hero story picks up. You know, under what publisher, under 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 what, you know, publishing house, you know, which whichever one takes that up. Yep. So stay tuned when when that becomes public, um, I will say. Uh, and that that being the case, we can do rapid fire. Yes, I am about to spin up the mini gun. Here we go. I ain't got time to bleed. Alrighty, just give me a moment to get my sheet back up. And Let me go through the rest of my books. First up is Avengers Forever, number 11. It's written by Jason Aaron, with art by Jim Toe, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. So this is the penultimate issue, I believe, of this Avengers Forever book, because it leads directly into that Avengers Assemble Alpha, which is like basically a three-part story that is the culmination of Jason Aaron's big Avengers run and his big story that folds in all of the Avengers 1 million BC, the current Avengers, and the multiversal masters of evil. This was a this uh, story highlighted the what Jason Aaron has created as the uh, to be the all writer, as in a way to differentiate the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider. And making him far different from any of the other ghostwriters that we're dealing with. And I wonder if they're, you know, writing the character off at some point. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I would be very sad to see that because I actually like the Robbie Reyes character. I think he brings a different vibe to the ghostwriter mythos. So uh, we will see how this plays out. Next up is Daredevil, number five. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So uh, Daredevil and Elektra are no longer just sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. It's not a spoiler, folks. They really did get hitched. 
and they are now in um, position to really take the fight to the hand as they now lead the fist of basically um, a, 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 a rival group to the hand, you know, basically formed centuries ago to neutralize and possibly take out the hand. Now, the hand has all these soldiers, and if you've been reading The Punisher, you know that Frank Castle is now, you know, uh, basically running the hand, at least in title. Daredevil and Elektra need to recruit some, you know, some some muscle, as it were. And that's part of the that's part of the story here in this issue. And ultimately, that's what this is about. But this. Let's call it a recruitment drive leads to Daredevil showing up as a big blip on the radar of the Avengers. And that is teased as being uh, the ne- uh, the topic that is covered in the next issue. So ultimately, we will see where this Daredevil story goes. I'm on it for now. It seems to be interesting. Um, Daredevil is one of those weird hit and miss stories when he goes away from being the protector of hell's kitchen. And this is definitely far different from that stuff. And you even have the character grappling with, uh, that particular change in, uh, perspective. And, you know, you know, he's used to being uh street level and this is far from being street level. Next up is question. Question. Um, is the one of the people he recruits uh, Iron in Fist Nature? Not at this point. Okay, and two is that stuff the dinner with the Avengers? Are they harkening back to um? I'm are they harkening back to another Daredevil story with that Avengers stuff? No. Okay. Carry on. Not right now. They probably will mention it in the next issue, though. Right. Okay. All right, next up is Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, The Silver Age, number two. This is, of course, written by Neil Gaiman, with art by Mark Buckingham, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Todd Klein. So it's not really a spoiler to tell people this. This is a remix. Again, a reprise, a remix, just done by the exact same creative team. And I'm not talking about just Neil Gaiman, but also Mark Buckingham on art. And what's great about this is that this issue actually provides copies of the original black and white pencils that you can compare and contrast to what the new version, the remixed version, looks like. And you can see how Buckingham and Gaiman have kind of changed up how things flow on the page and what is being made an emphasis in terms of the visual and the, you know, and, and the actual, you know, written storytelling uh, that is part of this book and what they're seeking to emphasize and what they're looking to kind of redo and change how certain things look on the page. And I found that far more interesting than the story itself, because the story itself I'm vaguely familiar with. Rather, I was really just taken by studying these pages and looking at how Buckingham decided to reframe certain sequences to enhance, in my mind, enhance the storytelling. 
and to better illustrate what was happening and what certain characters are feeling in the story by changing up exactly how it's portrayed and drawn on the page. So I really appreciated this book for that. So if you're interested at all in what Marvel may do with Miracle Man, you need to read this because this is the basis. The game and stuff is really the basis for what Marvel is taking and moving forward with. Next up is X-Force number 34. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Chris Allen. Colors are by Guru EFX and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So if there's one frustration I have with this X-Force title right now is that, you know, we've we've brought in a bunch of characters into X-Force that I don't necessarily care about or care for. One of them is Omega Red. The other one is Deadpool. But there are some mainstays to this X-Force group that remain. One of them being Domino. The other one being Sage. Interestingly, Percy is playing with Sage's demons. And Sage's demons are very much a human failing. Without spoiling too much, let's just say it is a very common human failing. And it leads to certain, uh, let's say, consequences for her X-Force teammates because of this particular human failing. I'm not going to spoil it just in case you are completely behind on what's been happening in X-Force. But... Um, suffice to say that it is a very normal thing that, uh, people deal with on a regular basis in the real world. Meanwhile, there's also, uh, a continuing push towards making this regular old Hank McCoy into a less version, a, a, a less dark version of the dark beast from apocalypse from the age of apocalypse but he's still very much like the mad scientist and they've really, you know, pushed the Hank McCoy character into this direction. And so if you're not comfortable with that, I'm not necessarily comfortable with it, but you know, you got to have some characters that, you know, really, uh, bend, if not break many of the rules, um, you know, all from the hero side, just to, you know, populate, you know, a book like X-Force. So they decide to make Hank McCoy one of them. He used to be one of the biggest goody two-shoes out there. But this is also the character that decided to experiment on himself. So I understand where they're coming from. Ultimately, that's why that Dark Beast character came to be during the Age of, of Apocalypse. That he was ripe for that particular character development. And it seems like this is the direction they are taking. Maybe not to that extreme, but to some extremes. This is the direction they're taking the Hank McCoy of the 616 into. That's the direction they're taking him into. And that's it for me. Oh, bring back the bubbly, bouncing blue beast. <laughs> that's, that's the character I miss, but you know what? I know. I understand. That's the thing. You know what? It's like, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand. Yeah, I know. And it's, it feels like they've, like you said, they've been kind of pushing this character going that route for, for the longest time. And, and, and I hate it, but at the same time, and I felt like, like especially when he brought back, like you know, when he brought back the uh, the original five, 
the uh, mm-hmm. when they were younger. Like you just been making some crazy behind quote unquote mistakes. You know, you just been doing things, man. What is, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And like you said, Age of Apocalypse, which I never really fully read, so I don't I don't remember too much about uh, uh, the Dark Beast. I knew the Dark Beast came from somewhere, but I couldn't remember. You know, all. But, but obviously, Age of Apocalypse, you know, turned several characters on their heads. Right. So. Or the characterization of several several characters on their heads in order to create this apocalyptic reality. Right. Ultimately, what we have here is, you know, maybe these are creators that are have that that were influenced by that story, or this is just the the, the tack, you know, the the direction that they would just want to take this character down. It's, hmm. you know, it, it's a fall from grace, as it were. Yeah. Or, I don't know, like I said, there's been some moves Marvel's been doing with, with a lot of things this year because of this at their 80th. And I think this would probably be a, a slight stretch to say that this is probably that. But they've been harkening back to old events and old things, uh, you know, during this whole year. But this has right. been a, this character arc has been for a few years, so you can't really say that that's the case. Right. But I, I feel like this is kind of, it, it almost felt like it was a kind of another line of them continuing to do that this year with right. that. Anyway, right. um, I was about to say, shout out to Chris Rock for inspiring that particular bit. You know, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand. <laughs> you Indeed. Know? The less we say about that nonsense, the better, though. <laughs> oh, you mean OJ? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's, well, him too, but no, I meant Chris Rock. No, because uh, that's where that bit comes I know, from. I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Like, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand. <laughs> Which is actually. No mind. You know what? We're going. That, that's that's another topic for another time. Um, for myself, <laughs> uh, Tim Drake Robin number three starts off uh, my books. Uh, Script by Megan. Hello, Megan. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh my goodness, right that's a Young Justice reference. Ha ha. Um, Megan Fitzgerald, Riley Rosmo's on art, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Tom uh, Napolitano. I had this right earlier. Pro- I was about to say, can you be respectful to the Arte- to another Tom Ison? Look, <laughs> I'm not trying to push anybody's name here, but. Um, <laughs> And that's why I, I sounded tried to sound it out earlier before it was like, no, I'm gonna get this right. Um, anywho's, and I still end up butchering it. So, um, apparently, Tim Drake, who has um, kind of went out off and on his own, he's uh, living on sitting by the dock of the bay or living out by the dock of the bay. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if he's still in Gotham or not, but uh, by some marina. Uh, and he's met some colorful characters here and there. Got his boyfriend with him or around him. But he... And Shout out to Otis Redding, by the way. Indeed. Um, he... He has someone gunning for him. And in this particular issue, quite actually, because he is uh, fighting uh, seemingly clay eyes diversion of uh for other former the other former robins um and the clay part uh seems to be more apparent if going into the end of it but this um not necessarily saying that Clayface, even though he tried to he pretty much deducted uh 
you know, Clayface being involved with this uh, may or may not be uh, the big bad of this arc, let's just say. Um, but we do get a little bit more information about uh, about who is after Tim, not necessarily why, because there's basically a cat and mouse and also slash Moriarty slash um, uh, Sherlock game being played with Tim. And for those who know Tim Drake, he's pretty much the, if, if, if there's anybody who would take up the detective part of the Batman legacy, it would be Tim uh, because he's pretty much the, the, you know, known to be the natural detective and fairly smart in that respect and kind of got people, you know, he notices things. And in this, and they, and this book kind of showcases a, a lot of that um, as it has been going so far to what end, I'm not sure, but like I said, he does definitely have someone kind of going after him and playing some sort of cat and mouse game with him, a la Sher- uh, Sherlock and Moriarty, um, which even gets referenced in this particular issue. Um, and there's even a part where his, uh, which kind of is funny to me. Um, um, Tim's boyfriend kind of helps him out of a situation, not knowing that it's Tim because apparently he's never, Tim's not told him that he's Robin, but at the same time, as soon as he opened his mouth, you would think he would have known that was his boyfriend. <laughs> you know, uh, not, I don't think they've been together that terribly long. Cause you know, Tim, Tim Drake's just came out like not that long ago, you know, um, comic wise, much less, you know, um, like sometime during the course of this year, past year or so, does uh, years when he's when he actually came out. So it's it's been. Still I was, I was fresh. gonna say, you sure he doesn't talk like this when he's Robin? So I kind of wondered that, but it's not like he did a um like he clicked something and had a voice change or anything. They didn't really specify any kind of changes to his voice. He just like talk. Maybe that that's like an implication, but they don't really say it. So I kind of had to let that go for that reason. You know what I'm saying? Because like, how in the world do you not know this is you do? And you're, and you're right up in his face talking, you know, like maybe he does change his voice and he just, they just didn't put anything on it <laughs> to, to, to denote it. So either way, it was kind of funny um, to me because the, cause the boyfriend kind of helps him out and takes him back to Tim's own boat and kind of uh, lets some, let some things out that he never told Tim. So, you know. Uh, I, I assume that's going to go and play out somewhere um, in, in some issues uh, later on, but to what end, I'm not sure at this point, or is this just like a, a kind of a side plot that they're just putting in here um, to kind of, um, uh, you know, to, to kind of uh, build on some things. So that's pretty much that. Like I said, I'm probably going to keep up with this book for the next couple of issues to see where, where this goes or to see, where this is definitely going to take Tim because this is supposed to be an ongoing, but you know, things being things books live or by live or die by the first arc and whether they uh, put the word out on it. Uh, next up all out Avengers number three, uh, written by Derek Landy pencils by agent 70 and uh, dirt's favorite artist, Greg land. Uh, Inks, oh, by, uh. <laughs> inks by Jay Lyston, uh, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, the conceit of this book has been the con- various teams of uh, Avengers getting into what seem to be simulations. Um, and the running thing is that 
at least for the last couple of issues, is that um, they're they get into a predicament uh, specifically with hey, one of them gets captured. Particularly in the last couple of issues, has been um, Captain America. Um, but then the whole oh no, I'm just waiting for my friends to uh, to come, you know, and, and uh, do their thing, and which ends up happening. But with various um, villains kind of with them, seemingly changing sides. Like last issue was Doctor Doom going up against a bunch of dooms, but there is also um, a narrator that's kind of driving. That's kind of driving slash controlling what the um what's uh what they're doing, or at least guiding to a point. As a matter of fact, because when one of them kind of gets a whiff of "Hey, wait, something's not right here," they tend to do something. But that control's kind of been slipping away uh, a little by little uh, each issue. And in this particular issue, the Avengers are starting to get a clue of uh, what's going on because more of them are starting to notice some some things being out of sorts and even at the end of this issue T'Challa kind of kind of gets what's going on but not to to where the narrator uh, not fully to where the narrator wants them to get to because apparently the narrators are like nope they need to be prepared for this big all out thing that's going to that's going to ruin the whole world and I want to get them ready so but not to for them not to know you know what's going on so, like I said, the Avengers are starting to get the cl- get a clue as to what is going on. So I imagine we the the cracks are going to get bigger and bigger. And now there's probably going to whoever's behind what what they're putting them into is going to be shown at some point because we still never we have not seen them yet. So this is an interesting book, but it's a, it's a kind of weird book, especially with um, like the teams because all of the teams have been kind of sort of different each. Um, each issue like there's been some some staples like cap's been there iron man's been there uh like thor's been there pretty much the whole time uh, t'challa's been there you know but then there's been there's been some sort of like sam wilson's in this one spider-man's been on a couple of uh like in the last couple of issues uh, or one or two but you know, there's been a changing of the team each time i guess for the scenario um and i'm not sure how long this book is supposed to go i can't i think it's like a five issue but i'm not entirely certain as long as it doesn't do the same thing as savage savage uh, spider-man i think we're good <laughs> uh, coming out of non-stop spider-man it's not written by the same people but it feels like the same a similar vein uh and i hope it didn't get that crazy uh defenders beyond is my next book the defenders beyond number five to be specific which is the last issue of this book. But it seemed like there's going to be more to come. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing, art by Javier Rodriguez, uh, letters by VCs Joe Carmania. And if I had another pick, potential click of the week, this is definitely one of them. Um, because this group of Avengers, this motley crew of Avengers made up of uh, Blue Marvel, Tigra, uh, a version of Loki... America Chavez, uh, and the Beyonder's mom, not the Beyonder's mom, but Beyonder does, uh, play a part in this, um, uh, um, Galactus's mom, excuse me, is, is a, is a part of the team who is a new character. Um, and there've been other people in past issues, but this has pretty much been the core team. It pretty much all comes down to this, uh, to this issue in that, they end up at the House of Ideas, and if that uh, term uh, is familiar to you, 
outside of the, the, the reality, then it has a kind of a similar conversation inside the universe. And there, um, um, and Al Ewing, Ewing kind of loves playing outside those boundaries. And, uh, it, it kind of shows, um, and even at the end of this book, it's like, hey, if you need some more reading on, you know, the House of Ideas and where Loki kind of did this and that and other and some other things that happened, um, a couple other things that happened, read these books. Like there's a FF issue or two that gets um, get, gets dropped um, and uh, an issue of Loki and a couple other issues. So there's some interesting reading. I think some of it I remember reading, but some of it I don't. Uh, but regardless, um, um with the outgoing of this issue and this miniseries, it seems to set up the potential that there could be another um, Defender story with a couple of characters uh, going forward, because that's kind of been a running thing of these Defenders miniseries. It's like, hey, here's a group that's been put together because of it started off with some tarot cards and then it just kind of blossomed into um, uh, some other folks. Folks that uh, uh, Al Ewing has, has uh, played with before, so it's not... Some of the people that have shown up are not outside the realm of possibility of of being in here, but it's fun because Al Ewing kind of this is a um, this is the kind of stuff that um, that that I've enjoyed about Al Ewing's works because it gets kind of fun. You know, not I, not outside of the fact of his um, Immortal Hulk run because that was just something else <laughs> in a great way, you know. Um, but this is kind of stuff that I kind of started seeing Al Ewing uh, early in uh, coming across him uh, stuff. But it's pretty fun stuff. Whether we're going to get another Defenders um, mini out of this, I'm not sure. But it, like I said, it definitely does set it up uh, if it was, if it's so ordered. So. And it would probably read better what not is in trade because it's also kind of like that uh, Doctor Strange story. It's a little, little out there, a little weird. It kind of goes places, but not as trippy. I'll say that. And some of our Ewing stories can get kind of trippy, so that's saying something. Um, but anyway, next book, Star Wars Yoda, number one. Um, where is the thing? Pink. There we go. It's a new, uh, new Star Wars book. So, it's, uh, let's see, it's written by Kevin Scott, art by Nico Leon, uh, color artist Dono Sanchez Almara and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is also Pictures of Click of the Week, um, which kind of like that um, Obi Wan Kenobi book and kind of like a couple of other books. Um, it basically starts off in a certain part of a certain part of the time frame, timeline, but then goes back into a memory. In this particular case, Yoda is in exile on Dag- Dagobah. And um, who I'm presuming to be Gwaigong Jin's force ghost kind of comes calling on him for a reason. But it kind of just goes into a memory from Yoda's past that seems to be from the High Republic era, uh, judging by the the Jedi Council that that show up here. But the the rest of the issue kind of just uh, goes into this past memory where Yoda... um, who was on the council at the time kind of was like, no, we need to do, I need to go do this thing and goes off to do uh, this thing. Even though the council is kind of being the jerks that they are and be like, nah, somebody else will take care of it or this and that. Cause you know, the, the council kind of has their moments. Um, 
So there is that. And I think this is an ongoing. I, actually, I, I did not check. Uh, it might be a miniseries, but, but um, I am not sure about that. I have to, I have to check that out. But either way, I'm on board because there was some great action in this. Um, you know, you don't necessarily see Yoda kind of cut loose the way he did in this outside of, you know, the, 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 the second movie in the prequel, you know. So it was good to see him and the humor was kind of there with him. So it was good. I don't know if we're going to get any answer to anything I would be interested in, interested in from Yoda uh, at this point, but it's good to see him. And plus, like I've said before, they're going to use the char- all the characters that they have um, because they have them. Let's see. Next book for myself, and I believe this might be my, yes, this is my last book, Midnight Suns number three. Oh, not doing that. Uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. Yes, I wish I could set this up earlier, but it doesn't. Uh, OBS doesn't work that way. Midnight Suns number three, written by uh, Ethan Sachs, art by Luigi Zagaria. And I have to say Luigi like that because Mario fans know. Um, colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So we've got a couple of things going on here. One part is that Agatha Harkness and Zoe Laveau is, um, is just so happened to be um, stalking around Zoe's ancestor's crypt for a reason. Uh, and um, I, I can't say who that ancestor's in, but if the name Laveau means anything to you and you know anything about New Orleans, uh, history in that you already know who that is uh because they're in hiding from from the well dr doom amongst other people that are trying to get zoe laveau um last issue clea strange um had come also seeking zoe laveau but ran into the rest of the midnight suns and was like you know what i'm going to take care of this y'all get out of the way and she sent them to the dark dimension and that is where they are in this issue trying to get away from it uh from but we meet um a let's say potential future slash uh different reality social supreme which uh gives them a hand after after they free him um and they get new suits out of the uh the the, the deal so there is that, so they can fight the oncom- the the battle with apparently uh, one of Doctor Strange's uh, the name of one of Doctor Strange's cells uh, spells, let's just say, you know, or one that you've probably seen him use that's been named, but the actual person is involved in this particular story. I say that, and this has nothing to do with the video game that I can see so far because nothing in this book is attaching attesting itself to what I've seen slash watched of that game. The only thing is, it's like, yeah, it's just parallel to it because of the fact that that's coming and the people that are involved in here are involved in that video game. That's the only tie. And that, folks, is all of my books. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Guess what, folks? This one might not be that long in the making. No, not really. <laughs> so, I can tell you what my click of the week is right away. 
As a matter of fact, you can just go ahead and say yours and Dirt's because it's the same ones. Yes, it is G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 300 from IDW this week. Yeah. I mean, it is it, it is a great read. <laughs> I'll, just put that, I'll just put that one up. So, like I said before, um, that is definitely a potential click of the week and frankly, strangely in favor of going along with it. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of those, you know, it's one of those just, you know, kind of weird weeks where, you know, there were some good things to read, but this seemed to be the one thing that really stuck out. And obviously it's a holiday week. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons why at Tim dog 98, you know, didn't read, you know, uh, didn't, didn't pass on anything cause he didn't have a chance to read anything. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, it is a holiday week. It's kind of a weird, you know, uh, a week to have a release. So, uh, you know, I actually have not looked at next week's uh, releases yet. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's definitely like a, a kind of a, I don't want to say an off week, but no. it's definitely one of those. Yeah, no, no, there was there was some decent books this week, definitely. But, you know, sometimes the, there are some things that just kind of impress upon you no matter what reason. <laughs> right. Like very quickly. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I think I am actually going to go with Jejo Real American Hero number th- uh, three hundred because yeah, it was it was it hit a spot like a um like um like a dirt said, which I don't think we even said what he said, but basically it hit him in the uh, hit him in the nostalgia feels, but also was good. I, right, I believe is what he said. So, and I agree with that because yeah, it was it was a good read even like even if you did not if you're not up on the last arc of the book, which, you know, some context w- would be lost there, but they kind of go away from where the, the arc uh, started from. <laughs> right, and what's funny about that is, yeah, you do, you lose some context, but if you recognize the major characters, right. and if you're familiar with a certain time period of G.I. Joe storytelling, you can kind of figure out what's been going on. Yeah. Or, yeah. And honestly, even if your uh, your attachment to the property is from the cartoon, I think you can still pull something from it. Oh, absolutely. So. All right. Well, with that, folks, uh, that's our books of the week. We are going to go into the news section. But first, let's get an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads apparel including t-shirts hats socks and brand merchandise such as their custom diy pop figures art books and skateboards and now the listeners of the comic book chronicles can enjoy 10 percent off your entire purchase when shopping at funko i'm sure they have some black friday deals and you know black friday weekend deals so make sure to hit that up to place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funco link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funco through cspn.us. Do it today. <laughs> And now we get into the news. (laughs) 
And we start off with the cinematic news as we do about this time. Daredevil Star says she has unfinished business as Karen Page. Uh, so yeah. Um, that's a, what's her, I keep forgetting her name. Deborah Ann Wall um, was recently quoted saying, um, Oh, this here is like everyone. It says here that um, everyone expected the series to come back. Uh, oh wait, wait, hold on. What's going on here? Basically, she was asked whether she would um, um, she would come back to the to, to the character, and she basically says that yeah, because of the the show got canceled. Um, and it, it feels unfinished to me because they got canceled. And even though they thought we were going to have more to do, like there's a part of her that says I had more to say about Karen. And I felt I was in the middle of that story. Uh, she said with the, in a recent track, uh, recent chat. And I totally forgot she was on true blood. Cause like, <laughs> this is where I first, first started seeing her from. Uh, she kind of mentions that show, um, in, in relation in that, that show pretty much got a full, got to finish its story as opposed to what they were doing with the, uh, daredevil because it got canceled. So, right. Um, but regardless of that, whether she's going to come back to the character or not, who who's no, cause I don't, it doesn't say here whether they called her back yet, but she does go to talk about Charlie Cox and, and defense and D'Onofrio glowingly. So, you know, as she would next up. So Jessica Henwick in an exclusive to comicbook.com teases Colleen Wing's Iron Fist return. So on the heels of Charlie Cox reprising his Daredevil role um, and, uh, you know, with the MCU on She-Hulk and Iron Fist star Finn Jones apparently voicing support for Henwick's return, The Glass Onion, that's the uh, Knives Out uh, movie that's out in theaters and will soon be out on Netflix that uh, Jessica Henwick is uh, in, shared some thoughts with comicbook.com and um so apparently uh jones endorsed henrik playing iron fist in a shang chi sequel movie and at the end of uh, at the end of the day she seems to be supportive of it henrik has not played colleen wing since 2018 but obviously things are now back in play with uh the uh reversion of these characters to uh, Marvel Studios and 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 of course by extension Disney Plus. Yeah, because apparently there was something that happened at the end of that second uh, Iron Fist uh, season that I did not know that had happened. Um, right. Yeah, given her character and which is the other reason why uh, folks have been you know endorsing her to come back with that. Either who's. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special was the first MCU Disney Plus project ever pitched, apparently, according to this article. Um, Kevin Feige, excuse me. <clears throat> so that special is out, by the way, if you did not know. We talked about it earlier, if you if you, if you came in after we talked about it. Um, it says here that Marvel Entertainment shared a feature exploring the surprising origins of the Hollywood special, uh, holiday special, not Hollywood. Uh, during a Talking Head interview, uh, Kevin Feige revealed that special was the first project ever pitched to Disney+. Plus. He said that Gunn originally proposed the idea while on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which began filming in 2020, uh, 2016, uh, three years before Disney Plus' launch in 2019. And they all 
quote, thought that would be great, according to uh, the quote here. Uh, but yeah, and it goes on to go through uh, Feige's quote on the matter, <clears throat> which is also kind of amusing because like, wait, this is the first thing they, they pitched and not any of the other shows that actually end up coming well before <laughs> well before um, uh, this uh, when it started. So I find that kind of amusing. That's why I put this in here. Anyway, next up. Next up. So uh, producer Nate Moore basically uh, came, uh, gave the very real life reason as to why Marvel Studios shifted the Armor Wars concept from Disney Plus show into it becoming a feature film and it comes down to budgeting. So what he said in a, an appearance on the town podcast, he said that, you know, the Disney plus shows are awesome, but the budgets are just not the same as the features. And that's no secret. And when it comes to having Don Cheadle interact with all of the previous Iron Man armors and new armors and the legacy of Tony Stark, it just becomes pro uh, cost prohibitive to do that as a Disney plus show. And that makes all the sense in the world. It does, but it's also weird because a lot of the, well, some of those shows seem like they have been, they have close to movie budgets and kind of been filming with that in mind, almost movie, like, you know, almost movie, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. I don't think any of them really, you know, we, they even, they even have jokes about it in She-Hulk. Oh, I know, but what I'm saying is, like, especially in the, the first few, it was like, it just kind of felt like some of them, they were trying to go for movie-like, you know, mo- right. movie-like uh, uh, qualities for the, uh, for, for the shows. Right, in, 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 in certain parts. I right. wouldn't say all the way through. No, no, no. Like I said, they, that started changing, you know, the, it's kind of noticeable in, in some and not so much in others, obviously. Because like Falcon and Winter Soldier, I feel like that's kind of one that's kind of noticeable in that it, they, right. that's where they were going There's for. a shift. Right. right. So, but it, but like you said, it does definitely make sense as to why, you know, I think some people even said, like, when this was even uh, announced, like, why is this a show and not a movie? Mm-hmm. So, kind of makes sense there. Uh, Crips Hemsworth believes I'm going to take this next one after this, by the way, because I don't don't think it's related, but still, um, Chris Hemsworth believes Thor could die during his next Marvel Studios movie. So I was talking with, um, Vanity Fair and Chris Hemsworth revealed that, uh, like I said, he believes it's time to time to close the book on his character quote uh yeah for sure i feel like we've probably uh we'd probably have to close the book if i've ever did it again uh you know what i mean i feel like it probably warrants that uh hemsworth told the the magazine i I feel like it probably the finale but that's not based on anything anyone's told me or any sort of plans but you have this birth of a hero the journey of a hero and then the death of a hero and i don't know am i at that stage who knows now Cut to this next article, which came, I think, like a day after or a day or two after this, uh, coincidentally, Chris Hemsworth taking a break from acting after discovering he is at risk of for Alzheimer's. Again, don't think that's related, but, you know, it just comes at an interesting time. So 
apparently in a recent episode of his National Geographic TV series Limited, uh, which is on Disney Plus. Uh, right. He last, finds out it comes out in the last episode. Right. You know, it actually, you know, the the uh, I don't know if you've watched Limitless. I've watched no. it here and there. So, no. you know, I spaced it out. So I did finish it. So I wasn't surprised to hear about this. Right. So basically he finished the story and talk about it. Yeah. He found him that he is uh, genetically predisposed to developed Alzheimer's. Uh, meaning he has a, a couple of the markers that would make him, you know, that that could potentially mean that he could, it, it could happen. He could have a door. Now, as someone who is dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's, I, I, I well, even I don't need that. That's, I hate when people do that because like you shouldn't need to, that to feel for somebody because you know, you, you know, but I understand having actually dealing with somebody who has it that, you know, some of the things that potentially, you know, is coming his way, you know, should that be the case? Hopefully not. But, you know, it says it's a predetermination gene, but it's, a, it's not a predeterministic gene, according to what he says here, but it's a strong indication. So, um, and it was claimed that Hemsworth's risk of Alzheimer is eight to 10 higher than the average person in the general population due to his genetic makeup. Uh, the idea, quote, the idea that I won't be able to remember the life I've experienced or my wife or my kids, this is probably my, probably my biggest fear, Hemsworth said. Um, and then there's a, a quote, I mean, excuse me, there's a link to, um, the, and, uh, good morning America interview where he's talking about it, uh, here. Yeah. I, I had not checked out that limitless thing cause I wasn't really sure of like, okay, it's just him going around the world, just, just getting into stuff or, you know, it's about him. You know, the, the overarching premise is that he's looking to live healthier and live longer. Okay, and, sure, yeah. you know, he has to put his body through certain things. This is actually filmed while he was in the process of getting ready for Love and Thunder. Right. So his body actually goes through, like, noticeable changes mm-hmm. because he's putting on mass. He's putting on muscle weight for the, for, for the role of Thor. And so, uh, you know, certain things change and they have to space things out you know, over the course of filming. And so it's very interesting to, to watch this show and just to see how, um, you know, uh, the, the course that, you know, the, the direction that they decide to go in. So it's definitely not, you know, it's not genre related, but it's, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, there's some thought provoking, uh, episodes there, right. folks. So yes. if you want to watch that, <clears throat> feel free. It is on Disney plus, as uh, as the result of uh, it having that National Geographic uh, aspect to it. So uh, feel free to check that out. Right. Which, by the way, Disney Plus's price is going up. I know some people have been getting the emails or whatever the case may be. As a matter of fact, I think I've seen it in that. So just, and we may have even talked about it before, but Disney Plus is going up in price. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, it also says here in, in closing, it says, uh, Hemsworth isn't retiring forever, uh, saying that he's open to coming back to playing Thor again someday if it works out. Uh, it says here that uh, after discovering his predisposition to Alzheimer's, he said that he was going to return home to Australia and spend some time with his family. And there's a quote here. Sands is like, it's not like he's handed in his resignation. Um, he just wanted to take some me time, basically paraphrasing what it says here. So, Next up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next up. Yeah. All right. So MCU's Ironheart explains why her character debuts in Black Panther 2. So, Riri Williams 
actor Dominique Thorne says there is there is a specific reason why her character Ironheart is introduced to the MCU in Black Panther 2. So, um, you know, in speaking with Collider, she explains her thoughts on it. And ultimately, she states that the true origin story for the character occurs when she realizes the potential that her brilliance has during her Black Panther Wakanda Forever journey. Okay. Yeah. So say it with me, folks. She does not have to have any part of Tony Stark show up in, in Ironheart. She just re, um, interacted with somebody way smarter who could uh, get her an AI. <laughs> Stop trying to put Tony Stark in, into this. Yes, her, her comic book character has, has is in relation. Yes, she's probably using Stark tech in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it already exists, but it doesn't have to exist on the same level that it does in the comics. Exactly. Stop that stuff. Anywho, um, <laughs> one Black Panther 2's M'Baku joke was improvised by uh, the star Winston Duke. So spoilers for um, Black Panther Wakanda forever, but I feel like we can kind of rip the bandage off of that uh, at this point. So uh, the one line he, he speaks with uh, Okoye, you bald-headed demon, was improvised, uh, which apparently had uh, folks uh, 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 cracking up on set. So, um, but yeah, this is a tweet from uh, Winston Duke, who's been who's been on Twitter quite heavily lately since uh, since the movie dropped. But it says here the the intention for Mbaku in this film is to serve as the vent for a pressure cooker, and that's what influenced this improvisational gem, amongst others. And like I said, the quote was "You bald headed demon," which I honestly, every time uh, the couple of times I heard it, had me cracking up. <laughs> so that's cool. Next up. All right, so uh, Jose Soto uh, shared a video of Nomura actress Mabel Cadena uh, on uh, behind the scenes. You know, uh, it was a behind the scenes video of Cadena, who portrays Namor's cousin Nomura in uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Uh, shows her in full Talokan garb while filming an underwater scene, and I've said, and I said this when we talked about our our um, our quickie non-spoiler reviews of the movie. The underwater scenes, some of these underwater scenes in Wakanda Forever are so well done. Mm-hmm. They felt it felt like you yourself were underwater, and you essentially were because right. they filmed some of them directly underwater. Whereas it often felt like in, you know, like when, and, and I hate to compare the two, but it's natural. When you're watching Aquaman, you almost never feel like you are underwater with them. Right. And apparently, um, also after this particular thing came out, um, I think Lupita Nyong'o showed her training. And apparently uh, she, Winston Duke, and Ryan Coogler all had learned to swim for this movie. Like granted, Ryan Coogler was behind the character, but I think he felt like he was a huge set. Like now, nah, he felt like he needed to be in there also, and this and that the other. Sure. And, and Denai Guerrero also showed her there was uh, clips of her training, and like I said, uh, some, uh, which she already knew how to swim. But um, uh, I think Angel Bassett too, but I don't think we've seen any footage of that. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was it's interesting the stuff that came out that has and continues to come out after the movie uh, has come out because I know um, with. Uh, Ruth Beecher, I believe his name. I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, the 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 costuming. Uh, the head of the costuming. The uh, yeah, I know. Her, I remember her first name being Ruth. 
Yes, um, has been coming out with, uh, you know, on Twitter talking about shots with uh, how they did certain locations and certain shots and, you know, uh, certain places that they've. Um, Ruth Carter. Names. Ruth Carter. Thank you. Yes. Um, no, I'm forgetting her, her last name, but has been going out to talking about the uh, the setup for shots and, and locations and things that they've been using through the whole thing. So it's been great. Uh, but speaking of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, it surpasses 500 million globally and earns another 67.3 domestically. So it's been doing numbers. This is all according to Variety, uh, who is who says that it's like 288 million at the time of this article, which was on the 20th. Uh, but yeah, still doing numbers, and I think it took over or was poised to take over Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness's numbers spot or spot. If it had, I think it had, but I can't remember. This, this article's not saying such. I don't believe. If it hasn't, it will soon. Yeah, I think it has since this article's been out because I feel like I've seen another article, but it's not in this one because, like I said, this is a, a few days old. Next up. Yeah, I still. I was about to say, based on my social media feed going into the Thanksgiving into this Thanksgiving weekend, there's still people who haven't gone to see it and they're waiting for this break. Uh, you know, in in the holiday season and in the school year, mm-hmm. to take to take their kids to go see it. So, I'm sure uh, Wakanda Forever is going to get a little bit of an uptick in business this weekend. Yep. Next up, uh, Tales of the Jedi, the um, the anthology uh, animated uh, animated show on uh, Disney Plus has proven a hit with fans and critics alike. And Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano, has reacted to the news that the series ranks as the number two most in-demand new show by Parrot Analytics. So uh, the actor gave her gratitude to the legions of Star Wars fans who have watched the series on uh, Twitter, I guess. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, no, this is Instagram. Oh, it's Instagram. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had to look, I was like, wait, is that? No, but yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's her Instagram post. So cool. Oh. Uh, apparently Tales of the Jedi overtook Andor that, uh, well, at least for that week. Cause obviously it's, it, this has been a couple of weeks also since this article has been out. Um, in shocking news from a few days ago, Bob Iger comes from the rafters. With his theme music in tow, and says, "Bob Chapik, get out! Just, just out!" Literally, literally, don't call it, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years, <laughs> pretty much. Literally, like shout this, out to LL. Like, yeah, this this was the wildest thing that um that happened uh, a, a few days ago. Like I was not expecting something like that to happen. Like all of us, all of a sudden, we saw on Twitter, it was like, "Yeah, Bob, uh, Bob Chapek is out. Bob Iger returns uh, 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 as CEO. Just no kind of um, no kind of ceremony or anything. Just like, nope, be out. I got the belt now. <laughs> I was trying to think of a wrestling term, but it, 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 you know, I, I don't, I don't do wrestling, so you know. <laughs> so that's gonna happen so i don't um i meant to check to see if there's because usually when something like this happens there's there's um outside of some obvious things i was to say because clearly there's i don't know if there was like a vote of no confidence in in chepik's uh um in in Ch- 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 leadership or 
there's something else that we're not hearing that led to this. And I don't think we've gotten that. It was an earnings call. I think it was, I think they talked about having lost a boatload of money. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, that's why I said outside of the obvious, but I, I right. feel like, cause normally they would have at least said, okay, we're going to do something like this. Not just like, all right, no, we already got this in place. You're out. He's in, you know, type of situation. Cause that kind of what it seemed like it was. Uh, but yeah, but as, according to this article, it says, yeah, the Disney's board of directors announced the decision Sunday night. Uh, quote, uh, we thank Bob Chapek for his uh, service to Disney over his long career, including navigating the company through some unprecedented challenges of the pandemic, which, you know, he's made some missteps during his uh, tenure, by the, uh, some would say. But he um, suits the honorable chairman of the board in a statement. Uh, the quote ends with uh, the board has concluded that as Disney embarks on an increasingly complex period of industry uh, transformation, Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through this pivotal period. So, you know, you know as, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if uh, during during uh, Iger's reign, that's when we got Pixar and such. If if I'm not mistaken, so he knows a thing or two about a thing or two about this company. Just a few. Yeah. But it's also from what I understand, um it's only going to be temporary from what I've seen in places. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah no, two year he has got yeah. like a two year term to basically uh find a successor. Right. Yeah, matter of fact, it says that here in the in the article. So So he's not gonna be there that long, just to kind of like just in just as an interim. So who's going to come in afterwards? Who's knows? So I told myself, like, wait, so we can do this with, uh, you know, we can do this with big companies. Why couldn't somebody do this to uh, Twitter? <laughs> but, you know, those folks abandoned uh, the those folks abandoned uh, the spot for the money. So it is what it is. Anywho, next up. So Smallville stars Tom Welling and Erica Durant, who played Clark Kent and Lois Lane, respectively, want to revisit their DC arc that was set up in the Arrowverse. Okay, good for them. Yeah. When was the last time anybody seen Smallville? <laughs> um, Jensen Ackles returns as Batman in Legion of Superheroes trailer. Um, so yeah, there was a trailer for the Legion of Superheroes animated uh, feature... And like the aforementioned Jensen Eccles and Darren Chris return as uh, Batman and Superman, respectively. Uh, the trailer focuses on Superman's cover, Kara, which is kind of funny because I'm pretty sure one of the the original animated uh, DCU things also did. Um, so that's interesting. Um, also, Supergirl is being played by the Winchester's Meg Donnelly. So that's there's a connection there. Uh, see, it says Supergirl's struggling to adjust her new life on Earth after the devastating loss of uh, of uh, Krypton. So, and it just goes on. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Uh, Brainiac's involved, sounds like, and the Legion of Superheroes. But you can watch the uh, trailer out there if you haven't already for yourself. Next up. Warner Brothers and DC Films' Black Adam has tied with its predecessor Shazam at the global box office after only a month in theaters. Okay, so according to Collider, Black Adam has accrued $366 million at the worldwide box office after adding another $5.1 million from 76 territories during its fifth weekend in theaters. So it ties, ties it with the lifetime box office earnings of 2019's Shazam! 
which boasts a worldwide total of $366.1 million. And Wakanda Forever says, bah. <laughs> really? Like, oh, that's cute. Um, speaking yeah. of Black Adam, uh, it's out on digital now, and I believe it will be out on physical on December 5th, because I just didn't feel like putting the article in the uh, the show notes. But I do know that's the case. Uh, in Doctor Who news, uh, happy 60th to the Doctor to Doctor Who, by the way, which is uh, I believe recently happened. But Millie Gibson is the new Doctor Who companion, Ruby Sunday. Uh, so when uh, Nikute Gatwa finally actually becomes the new Doctor after um, <laughs> after after um, after uh, what is it? Not Tenant. Yeah, it is Tenant. Uh, no, not Tenant. Um, Yes. Regardless, after the the, the current uh, the current slash former Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> you know what I have to say to that? Who? Yes, I know. Sorry, folks. I saw that one coming too. It was like okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, she she will. Uh, Millie Gibson will make her debut uh, in 2023 when the 15th Doctor takes control of the the TARDIS. Uh, yes, Dana, David Tennant is the current and former doctor, which that's still a weird thing I need to watch to see what in the heck happened there. Um, it says that um, Millie Gibson was known for Coronation Street and Butterfly and Love Lies and Reco- uh, Records, which is all BB- BBC stuff that I have no idea about. So good on her, I guess. Sure. Next up. Indy. Indiana Jones five five. I don't. I've never watched four. And Roddy Cat says it's a good thing. Yes. Indiana Jones five will pit Indy against Nazis again, but in 1969 in an exclusive to Empire. Um, this is the premise for uh, Indiana Jones five. Uh, he's living against the backdrop of the space race, but the Americans' effort to beat the Russians to the moon brings with it some uncomfortable truths for Indy. The simple fact is that the moon landing program was run by a bunch of ex-Nazis. How ex they are is the question. Yes, one of those is being played by Mads Mikkelsen, which means that there are some people out there who are going to be lusting after uh, after Nazi. Because I know there are some people who love them some Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So I, I saw, um, I think I posted this. I, no, I know I posted this on Reddit and I saw, uh, I was like, you know, the only thing that would not really change about an Indiana Jones movie, even if they up, no matter how often they t- up the time. And I'm paraphrasing here is like how Indy is going to be aged and not the fact that he's, um, fighting Nazis. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of right about that. So it could be 2022 and right fighting the, the Nazis that are actually out there. And it's just be, right. you know, the same thing, um, which I did see something about Harrison Ford liking the fact that liking how they de-aged him in this one. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that looks. Dungeons and Dragons TV show gets big update up ahead of E1's uh, sale. So Deadline released a report that uh, provided some clarity on what could happen to some of E1's current projects, including a live action Dungeons and Dragons television show helmed by Rawson Marshall Thurber. That would be a good time for who? Um, Deadline reports that the live action Dungeons and Dragons television show was being shopped to potential buyers. 
excuse me, like Netflix, television shows, etc., and had even garnered bids from interested parties, but that the process was interrupted by Hasbro's announcement that it was planning to sell E1. Uh, during the interruption, despite the interruption, excuse me, Deadline sources are optimistic about the D&D show making its way to television, with one source noting that the script for the pilot was, quote, good. I think buyers still want Dungeons & Dragons because the brand is important, the script is good, and Ross and Marshall Thurber is an exciting piece of talent. Also, may have something to do with uh, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings being out there and doing well. Quite possibly. That's possibly. just me, paraphr- me paraphrasing that part. Um, I don't know who that Ross and Marshall Thurber is, so sure. Next up. Next up. So, apparently there's some rumor out here that Fast X, the uh, first part of a two-part finale to the Fast Saga, has a pretty astronomical budget attached to it. So, you know, we've gotten some news that there are new cast members joining the Fast team, the departure of director Justin Lin earlier this spring, and reports of local boycotts surrounding the film's promotion of street racing. So a new report from The Wrap adds some interesting metrics to that production, with sources cited in the report claiming that Fast X's budget has ballooned to $340 million, which is 70% more than the budget of F9, the Fast Saga. If this number is true, it would make Fast X or Fast 10, the fourth most expensive modern film ever made, only being outpaced by Avengers Endgame at a whopping $356 million, Age of Ultron, which would cost $365 million. Amazing that Age of Ultron cost more than Endgame. And coming in behind the most expensive, the Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, $379 million. And I question why, but then again, I'm not really the, the, the target audience for those movies, so. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the thing is, they're, they're trying to just up the stakes, and it's just guest casting, you know, guest starring casting galore. Oh, no, I know about Fast and Fuse, but I'm talking, yeah. I'm, talking about, uh, I'm talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Though. Oh, <laughs> I, I've forgotten all about those movies. I have friends that like to go watch those. I'm like, I'm not in on that. I'm not going right. with y'all on that one. Right. No, and the reason why we're even talking about Fast and Fuse is because we both, we, I think, overall, most of everybody on the, on, the, on the panel are fans of uh, Fast and Furious movies. So even though right, it has, some, has nothing yeah, to do to with some comic, extent or another, right? Right. We we're it's not comic related, comic book related yet. I'm sure the Vin Diesel has a way to probably be a comic book at some point. I don't know. Um, there is that animated show on Netflix, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, some sad news uh, uh, that I'm sure folks know at this point: uh, Power Ranger star Jason David Frank has died at age 49. Um. So yes, Tommy, the, the the original Green Ranger slash uh, White Ranger slash Red Ranger slash he's been a couple of them, folks. You know, um, yeah, it was first reported by TMZ, which I rarely ever take any stock in, but apparently it was confirmed by some uh, folks uh, close to him. And uh, I don't know if this article is saying, but it might have been an apparent suicide. Um. Was the cause of death, which is, is is always a sad thing. 
um, but also treated slightly differently depending on who it is, sadly. Dude was only a couple of weeks younger than I am. Like, we're in the same age, but obviously <laughs> quite different. Um, so, but yeah, there was been an outpouring of, um, you know, um, of um, of condolences and, and whatnot and, and cast members, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking about it uh, after the fact of the happen, you know, he was a he was a, a beloved character, um, I guess on and off the the, the screen, uh, to, to say the least. You know, he, he Power Rangers was also got into MMA for a little while, and um, but it, I think he was also still out there on the circuit. He was definitely out there on the circuit. Um, uh, in fact. Was and still not a thing because then we see some stuff from con stuff where he was supposed to be showing up at a con. Yeah, I mean he was a regular at the on the con circuit, right? So, but um, uh, but yeah, like I said, um, uh, he will definitely be missed certainly, and of course uh, there's you can look at uh, you can go into there, there's a part of his article this Emmy J Johnson who played uh, Kimberly uh, was one of the first to. Um, to give her condolences, and there's others. Uh, Walter Emanuel, actually, excuse me, Walter Emanuel Jones played Zach, and uh, Billy also um, gave their condolences uh, first, uh, and then other people started uh, you know, chiming in. So yeah, there's. Uh, if you go into the clickbait section, which I don't think I have it in there, but by the time folks read this and, and be able to see the clickbait section, there should be. Uh, no, it's in there actually. I'll take it back. There will be some more. Um, Another article with a with a bunch of folks talking about it. Next up, next up, Fathom Events re- reveals Shin Ultraman will have a two night U S theatrical run on January 11th and 12th during the Ultraman Connection panel back during Anime NYC. So, uh, in partnership with Fathom Events, as I said. Uh, the Shin Ultraman will have that two night run in theaters and this is only in select in select participating theaters. So you have to check your, um, (laughs) I wanted to say check your local listings, but everyone just goes to Fandango and just checks that out and sees what's going on. We don't even have local listings anymore. Anymore. Exactly. Isn't that terrible? That's <laughs> what I wanted to say. I know. That's about it. See, back in our day, we used to have... No, stop. I'm not going to do that. Um, Listen, man. We used movie phone, damn it. Right? Movie movie phone, TV guide, if you can and afford movie it. Phone, or... Movie phone was an advancement right? on what we had to do before that. And if I'm not mistaken, you had to kind of sit through everything to get through the one to, to the movie that you wanted to get to. <laughs> Sometimes, right, right, yeah, right, sometimes, right. You have to yeah. find your theater, exactly. You have to find your theater, and then you have to sit through like all right. the movies that your theater was showing. Right. That's like, oh man. But yeah. Anywho, um, I'm curious about this because I guess they're doing the they're doing with Ultraman what they did with um with um Godzilla. Um, I am like a slightly a casual fan of Ultraman, so I'm I'm curious about this, uh, and I certainly actually need to watch uh, Shin Godzilla. Now that I think about it. Anyway, oh, Shin Godzilla is fun. I know. I heard uh, I've, outside of outside of you, I've also heard other people saying like, "Yeah, it's good." You know, so yep. it's not streaming anywhere though. I, that's what I thought. So, but that's yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. It's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. All right. There's, there's um, ways. Yeah, there are other ways to find it though. Anime Corner. Uh, anime cor- yes, Anime Corner. Here we come. <laughs> 
Is this you or me? No, it's you because I did the Shin Ultraman story. Uh, uh, Yin press. Uh, no, I apologize because some of this stuff is probably going to overlap. But nevertheless, Yin Press announces over two dozen titles at Anime NYC. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's a, uh, a Sword Art Online manga. Uh, if I had to pick out stuff that would be notable to a lot of people. I am scrolling through the article um, if you're watching the video version, but it will be in the show notes if you are interested and haven't already seen the news. Next up. All right. So also at Anime NYC, Crunchyroll announced a bunch of uh, anime editions that are going to drop in 2023. And, uh, you know, this article that Roddy Cat selected has a whole list of them. There's a bunch here I'm not going to go through, but there is a decent amount of new titles being added to Crunchyroll. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. I think the notable thing. Nope, I'm wrong. Okay, no, this is not the one. I was about to say, I thought there was a there was something of note in here, but this is just all new stuff. Next up, though. Um, Sword Art Online, the movie, which was one of the uh, aforementioned Yen Press, uh, Yen Press uh, things, uh, gets a North American theatrical screening in February 2023. So, um, Aniplex of America officially announced that the latest uh, film in the Sword Art Online um, franchise will be screened in North American theaters across U.S. and Canada, becoming, like I said, in February 2023. The announcement of the film's release was followed by the release of the second English-dubbed trailer, which is uh, in, attached to the article. I know there's some, and the voice cast also, including the English-dubbed uh, cast, uh, is also in this article, if you are uh, so inclined. Next up. All righty, so in... An original in an upcoming original anime series, Buddy Daddies. Um, there are some there, you know, a, a new key visual and a trailer were released. This show debuts next January in 2023. So take a look at this if you're interested in this new anime called Buddy Daddies. You know, it's like you know. Um, like an 80s concept, folks. You have to be of a certain vintage to get this one. Not quite bosom buddies, but yes. <laughs> no, we're like, you know, uh, three men and a little... Oh, you know, I know. Three men yeah, and yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Or, so, I guess for 90s folks, three little house. Not necessarily. Like, oh, so, so basically the premise is like, hey, these two contract hitmen are, are in charge of, uh, of uh, babysitting the boss's daughter because she's kind of gets, she kind of comes across a thing. And not right. to protect her. A part of me kind of thought, you know what? What can we do to spin Spy X Family? But it's not necessarily. It's, it's not the same thing. But it, it kind of felt that kind of vibe when I when I was reading about this. Um, and oh, somehow way of the house husband, but not not really because there are no children in in way of the house. Well, right. they're not any direct children in way of the house husband. Anywho. Um, I hear Academia season six shows off uh, Kirishima's big moment. Um, to those like Agent Seven who are up on uh, My Hero, knows what that means. I do. Yeah, Kirishima. So, um, 
I'm not going to go through this whole thing because I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, and even if I was to read to it, I'm not going to remember it by the time I get, <laughs> by the time I get there. So yeah, there you go. Just know that, um, character's got a big moment next up. The highly anticipated anime Oshi no Ko will stream exclusively on High Dive beginning in 2023, premiering with a special 90-minute first episode. Wow. Yeah. And this is going to premiere sometime in 2023. I'm just going through the story now just to see if there are any more details I can drop. Yeah, I think there's a synopsis in here, but basically idols. Yeah, okay. to do with idols. Um, which there have been plenty of shows on that, but I know people love them. Spikes family releases a special poster for episode 20, which now that I've remember, I need to watch. Um, cause I am caught up on it. I just didn't watch the last one. So, because I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, new character Fiona gets, uh, gets introduced in this episode and, uh, the game is afoot. Sort of. And if you're watching the video version, you can see um, uh, an image from the show, or presumably from the show. Mm -hmm. uh, in the well, the poster for it at the at the very least. So, and it, this article kind of uh, gets into what the episode is about, which I'm not going to read because, again, I have not watched it yet. Next up, <laughs> I was about to say the new the newest one is out later today. You know, now that we've rolled into Saturday, so. Right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be an episode ahead, but Roddy Cat will probably catch up on this very soon. So he'll mm -hmm. be up to date by the time we uh, convene again. Spy X family celebrates Fiona's anime debut with a special trailer. So in celebration of the introduction of who, uh, of a character who apparently will play a more pivotal role in the story, uh, the Twitter account for Spy X family, um, highlighted Fiona's debut in the anime with a special new trailer showing off her full character design. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I've, I've, you know, has watching the episodes, I was like, okay, there's a character that's you, you see in the opening credit in the opening themes. Like who is this person or in the end of things? One or two, I can't remember, but you see this character. I'm like, okay, who is this character? <laughs> and, and, but they haven't shown up yet until just now. So there you go. Um, Attack on Titan creator shares emotional apology for a controversial ending. And before I go into this so article... So we transition... I was about to say, we transition into the uh, manga slash comic book yes. stories because the anime is not yet at this part of the story. So um, I will tell you that uh, a, a, a dear friend of Agent Underscore 70 was able to get in to see... Uh, uh, Isayama at Anime NYC, and the pa he was in. He got in for the panel, and the panel was basically all manga, because it, you know he talked. This was like a major part of his uh, talk during the panel, mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day, um, this is definitely spoiler territory for someone like me who is not up to date on the manga. But I have a, I have an idea of what happens. Um, you know, and, and obviously what, you know, what's been leading up to this. I actually just finished uh, a, a very lengthy rewatch of the Attack on Titan anime. 
just to refresh my my recollection and also to get a better understanding because I definitely blazed through it the first time to catch up so I could catch up uh uh, so I could catch up to my friend and his friends and join their uh, their their uh, their live watch parties. So now I have a much better understanding of what happened uh, during the show. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, gotta love it. All right, uh, but yeah, um, what was that? Oh, Attack on Titer Create. Yeah. So apparently. At uh, the at Anime NYC, as Edge Seventy just said, uh, that his friend went to, says without going to spiritual territory, the the Attack on Titan finale certainly ends. Its uh, place is one of the more controversial endings in the anime world, according to this article. Uh, this stays true to the spirit of the anime's final season. Uh, then it actually starts going into some stuff which I'm not going to mention. But it says here that Isayama took the opportunity to apologize for Attack on Titan's ending, detailing uh, how he still had he still doubts how he brought everything to a close, which had the audience in attendance applauding the mangaka uh, for the work he's done on the series and bringing tears to the artist's eyes. I saw a shot of uh, him, you know, uh, I guess his his reaction uh, from the panel, and it was like, oh, <laughs> you know. But it says here that uh, yeah. Um, as a quote says, I want to express my gratitude to all the fans. I wasn't sure how to feel about the end of the story. I was having a really difficult time and I apologize. Uh, carrying heavy feelings, I was down for a long time until yesterday when I met fans during the signing. Fans told me the ending was great and that they loved the ending and it made me happy. And coming to New York was a great experience for me. Thank you. So that's cool. You, you got to love hearing, hearing, hearing about things like that. Uh, speaking of um, Isayama... So a sequel may not be in the future for Attack on Titan fans. At Annie News and Facts, not for Anakin, but uh, tweeted a poster to mark uh, the Attack on Titan anime's final season with a caption explaining that Attack on Titan creator Hajime Isayama currently has no plans to write another manga. Isayama fan supported his decision in the reply section with most encouraging the author to rest after dedicating his life to the series for 12 years. Some persuaded Isayama and rebuild the and uh, try to rebuild the ending for Attack on Titan, but we just talked about why he won't do that. Right. Yeah, and uh, we have we have long heard that, you know, mangaka get worked almost actually literally to death, you know, uh, have at times. So I really hope he does actually take some time and, and, and rest because kind of been at it for a long time. People, um, people seemingly are understanding about it. So that's, that's a lot of work. Um, yeah. listen, he started that at only 29, at only 19 years old. Right. In 2009, with a 65-page one-shot, mm-hmm. you know, and the series only ended in 2021, so the dude needs a break. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, other other manga car and and you know and and producers and 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 and, and folks take note. Let them rest. Um, Seriously, I mean that's t- that's taking this to a whole new level. Literally translated means dedicate your hearts. Yeah. Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War explains a secret way that Aizen saved Ichigo, um, which 
Yeah, I really need to catch up on Bleach because <laughs> what? Um, Wait, I was about to say uh, who? Because that's foreign to me. I have not started Bleach at all because that's one of the more intimidating ones. Yeah, each goes the main character Aizen. Let's say is not a good person. <laughs> okay. Although he doesn't start out that way, but that's a whole there's a whole thing about that. We don't we're not we're not gonna go through. The, when you get there, you'll know. Uh, if if and or when you get through that, because there is a part you might have to go through to get to that. No, no. Anyway, we'll talk after if you want to. But regardless, regardless. Um, Please tell you thousand year blood war has. Me, I, I am very much going to catch up and 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 try to finish up Bleach though. Please believe. Um, Thousand Year Blood War has made its uh, climactic finale for the first real fight between the Soul Reapers and the Quincy's, uh, and the newest episode of the series uh, surprise with a sneaky way. Wait, this is for the. Uh, this is probably in the wrong place. Um, yes, this is in the wrong place because this is for the anime, not the uh, not the manga. So that is my fault, folks. Nevertheless, uh. Sp- Spoiler alerts if you if you're not up on it, and again, you know I'm not worried about it because I won't remember by the time I get to this point. Because there's a lot to bleach, but apparently uh, the latest episode, um, uh, there's a revelation, and Eisen has something to do with uh, Ichigo. I'm not going to read through all this because and uh, yeah, I get there when I get there. Next up. <laughs> The Shin universe has given fans very different takes on classic Japanese characters, including Shin Godzilla, Shin Kamen Rider, and, Ult- and Shin Ultraman. So uh, next year, Kamen Rider hit. Uh, with next year, Kamen Rider will hit the big screen in Japan following the aforementioned release of Shin Ultraman. Many are wondering whether the Shin universe will bring together these monsters and heroes in a dream project that could be similar to the MCU. So there is now a new line of action figures that sees these characters side by side thanks to the Shin universe's new continuity. Uh, okay. So this is through Tamashi Nations. Mm-hmm. Rider kick! Um, which, not I just remembered. There is a, um, that new uh, Kamen Rider book just came out this week. We did not get a copy because we don't normally get stuff from Titan. Um, but I think we do have a line on how to get them. Not saying we will probably be uh, talking about it on the show, but we'll, if, if we happen to get the copy, we'll, something will happen. <laughs> yes. yeah. Now we're going to uh, transition over to regular old comic news. Yep. yep. <laughs> Marvel confirms that an adventure is officially changing their code name, which had me hit scratching my head, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. Monica Rambeau is going back to the name Photon. So, folks may or may not know, uh, she started out as Captain Marvel. She, I believe, Photon was her second name. So, well, she's had a lot of names, folks, uh, and, and but finally ended up on Spectrum. Uh, but apparently, she's going away from that for this new um, this new miniseries that she has coming out from Marvel. Uh, in fact, we have already seen her being called. Um, Photon in something from last week's book, which we hadn't read, but right. kind of, um, so that's what this article is about. Yeah, Wakanda number two uh, has her uh, officially going by the name Photon in it, and that came out last week. So, which I have read this. I actually need to read this again. Anywho, uh, there is that, and like I said, in her upcoming book, she will be going by uh, Photon as well. Next up, 
Alrighty. I'm waiting for this to load. You too can relive great um, Iron Man battles in I Am Iron Man, a new series that will launch in March 2023. So let's see here. I Am Iron Man is pure golden Avenger action brought to you by writer. We talked about this actually. Murewa Ayodele and artist Dotun Akande. We talked about this in the wake of Iron Man number 25, which came out last week. Right, but this was the this is the the official press release for that book. Right. Yeah. And uh on sale March first. That's what I was looking for. And we didn't have a name of it then. We just knew it was coming because of that backup story in, in the the last art Iron Man thing. The last Iron Man issue. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, an original X-Men's heroes uh, fall into evil is com- finally complete. Actually, we kind of talked about this earlier because it's, <laughs> we did because <laughs> um, I forgot I put this in here. But nevertheless, hey, whatever. Beast. Uh, and this is spoilers for Wolver- last week's uh, Wolverine 27, where Hank, Matoria, uh, Hank McCoy apparently goes full heel turn. Or is it full heel, heel turn or getting there? Yeah. Still? Yeah. 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 No, no. It's it's not, but it's close. Yeah. So, again, and we talked about that with the X-Force stuff. So, yeah, this is just going off of that. Next up. Marvel Spider-Man 2 makes unexpected changes from the first game. So, it's going to release next year via PS5. Uh, apparently, um, Insomniac Games, when it released the remastered version of the original Spider-Man video game, it notably changed the face of Peter Parker, as many remember this decision created some controversy and was met with substantial backlash. But Insomniac Games did not and has not backtracked on it. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. here. Allow me. I can do it. Oh, I see. Um, apparently, there it should not come as a surprise now that in the wake of that change that Harry Osborn is being played by a new actor in the sequel right and the the and the the original voice actor was like yeah they went they went a different way so basically they did the same thing they did with the peter parker uh when they did the remaster in that they changed the face to to of peter parker to look younger and they also changed the voice actor behind them uh And they're doing the same here, which still doesn't make any kind of sense because you can still change the voice and not the face. Now, granted, I understand like sometimes the face don't match the voice type of situation, but you could say that about anybody in reality. You just can't change the voice. I mean, you just can't change the voices out. Like it, it still didn't make any kind of sense, but that's the choice they made. So it, it is what it is. But it's yeah, it says here that um, while the quote is while I voice Harry in the first Spider Man, will will function not be in a sequel. Um, he said uh, Insomniac decided to go for the real and the difference between me and Harry's ages was too much to overcome so I believe and I was bummed but I get it it's going to be an incredible game so yeah like I said you can change the voice but not change the I mean change the face but not the don't have to change the voice it just doesn't make any sense but stay a call probably still going to play the game regardless so it is what it is Um, it's kind of sad for that person though because um Deadpool gets Iron Man style armor and a unique sideshow st- uh, statue. Uh, so yeah, it says Sideshow's new armorized warrior statue of Deadpool gives Iron Man some competition. 
the collectible company has unveiled details, looks, and an unboxing video for the special edition six scale uh, figure for Hot from Hot Toys. Excuse me. Uh, the toy combines uh, the Merc with the Mouse signature red and black color scheme with Iron Man's arc reactor powered armor and repulsor weaponry. The armorized Deadpool features light up elements, assorted weapons, and interchangeable hands for a variety of possible poses. And uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see uh, pictures of the armor, which as much as I hate to say it, doesn't look bad. I don't like Deadpool, but this is actually a nice looking figure for what it is. And uh, the figure is priced at $405 because it's Hot Toys and, and not surprising. Uh, it's going to ship between November and December of 2022. So if you're interested, it will be out shortly, I'm sure. Next up. All right. So in celebration of the upcoming 60th anniversary of the X-Men, next year, uh, Hasbro and Marvel are getting together to put out some three packs, some multi-packs of Marvel Legends and Celebration. So we've already talked about the five pack of uh, kind of random X-Men, you know, uh, uh, villain characters uh, that uh, that are coming out that are already up for pre-order. Uh, but now we have uh, releases to help people recreate the team on the cover of Uncanny X-Men number 275. This is the gatefold cover that has um, the X-Men going into space and they're wearing uh, the blue and yellow uh, X-Team uniforms. This is a, one of the classic Jim Lee covers from that era and there are going to be two, three packs available. The first one's going to have Forge, Jubilee, and Storm in it. The other one is going to have Banshee, Gambit, and Psylocke in it and Wolverine is going to come all by his lonesome and interestingly enough they are not going to uh, issue uh, Professor X who is that, that that's the character that's in the middle Wait in the um in the cover in the in the in the and the um the robe and the 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 black and yeah. purple thing huh. that's Professor X. You don't remember that? No, I I wasn't. I don't think I was reading um X Men around this time. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. But um, what you think? Potential? It's okay. You know, it's it, it's a it. I I definitely go, I'm definitely going to think about it because that's one of the classic covers that's in my canon. You know, my own personal like classic covers canon. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is definitely tempting. It's a lot to buy though. It's seven whole figures. You know. Right. Um, also, that reminds me of some Marvel. Weirdly enough, reminded me of some Marvel Snap news, but they'll save that for next week. Uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home finally gets Funko Pops spoilers, which you think you would think they had Funko Pops by now. Um, so it says here that the new Spider-Man: No Way Home Funko Pop collection is making up for lost times in terms of sheer size. Uh, but they've organized everything so you won't have to, according to this article. There's a breakdown of the wave in this article with pre-order links. Uh, let's see, we got like three Spideys, a Doc Ock, uh, Electro, uh, Lizard, uh, a Maskless Green Goblin, and Sandman looks like. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, there's even an 8-pack eight, eight uh, Walmart exclusive that includes Landman, and, uh, excuse me, Lizard and Sandman. So, there you go. Next up. 
All right. So now you can get uh, you can pre-order pop figure additions to the Black Panther Wakanda Forever lineup. And because so you can get um, an Iron Man set also. So there's an Iron Man set. So that goes up with a pin. That's now up as well. You know, this is in conjunction with the Wakanda Forever release. Yes, the 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 armor picture is Riri's, and then there's a uh, looks like a, a Mark II uh, Iron Man Funko uh, that is also pictured here, and there's a let's see, there's a four pack with uh, Nakia, Black Panther, Ironheart, MK2, and Okoye for at Target for forty seven ninety nine. Um, there's Ironheart soda. There's another Walmart exclusive. Uh, and that's in addition to that, the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home figure that we talked about earlier or set earlier. Star Wars A New Hope movie poster Funko Pop um, features Luke Skywalker, not to be confused with Uncle Luke, and R2-D2. Um, if you're watching the video version, you can see said uh, Pop and figure. Which, by the way, I don't know, Eight to Seventy, did you see the, um, the, uh, the other bigger one? Which, uh, with, uh, not Ready to Die, but... Um, uh, the second album, um, uh, uh, cover on it. Did you oh, that? the Funko Pop. Yeah. I have not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a neat looking one. Um, but anyway, let's see. Da, 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 da. The list price of this is uh fifty nine ninety nine, but Walmart is selling it for wait what? The, the list price is fifty nine ninety nine, but Walmart is selling it for twenty nine ninety six. According to this article, that might change. Um. But yeah, it's uh, it's Funko Pop with uh, R two and Luke and the um, and the Star Wars: A New Hope picture uh, poster uh, behind it. So that's cool. Next up, the dawn of DC is just around the corner, and it promises to make twenty twenty three into a year unlike any other for one of the biggest names in comics. So uh, DC has officially announced its next big storytelling initiative, set to span twenty twenty three. Uh, and that is, of course, Dawn of DC. It is going to be a line-wide multi-event narrative composed of over 20 individual comic book titles. Dawn of DC is slated to kick off in January with Action Comics number 1051 and will continue through the pages of Unstoppable Doom Patrol, multiple Green Lantern titles, and more. That is a very large checklist. Right. Didn't it say something like, what, 20... 20- 20 titles or something yeah uh, that are launching so that's interesting that's a lot yeah that, we'll see how it works out <laughs> neither one of us are like real big big dc readers but you know i guess we'll yeah we'll, like we pick and choose you know right. we dabble here and there whatever floats our boat um you know i'm 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 a i'm an old school new teen titans fan but you know the direction they're going in is very not old school new teen titans so <laughs> You know, I tend to I tend to gravitate towards like you know the the Nightwing and and some of the Batman stuff, but right, you know that's well, about it. But the Titans are in Nightwing now, aren't they? What's that? The Titans are in Nightwing now, aren't they? Right, right. Yeah. That's my point. Gotcha. Um, that's my point. Is that that you know I gravitate towards Nightwing because that's where some of the old school new Teen Titans are. Gotcha. So there's a couple of these I'm kind of curious about, like the the Green Lantern Jones, John Stewart book. I'm curious about uh, and that. Mark Wade and Dan Moore Shazam book, kind of, even though I didn't 
Actually, I'm pretty sure that's finished. But that 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 last one with Mary Marvel, I didn't finish. But outside of that, I don't know. Um. Uh, but then more DC news, which I guess is kind of non-news, but I'll put it here anyway. Mark Millar has a huge Superman project he wants to make. Apparently, um, <clears throat> if if uh, if you know DC wants him to, apparently. So it says here that um, he says that uh, he has some stories left in him regarding DC's uh, flagship character Superman. Should DC have any interest? Says, uh, oh, that itch never goes away, Millar told CPR in reference to the writer's iconic Superman Red Sun series, which I need to read that, actually, because I hear decent things. Uh, quote, if you grow up loving stuff, that never disappears. Take a note, folks. Um, I've done a lot of big Marvel books, but Superman Red Sun was the only time I got to cut loose in the sandbox at DC. So I always have ideas and have two big folders filled with DC stuff. Um, <clears throat> it goes on to talk about Superman Red Sun. He also says, uh, I think somewhere in here is talking about, um, yeah, here we go. Uh, he'd want to do something amazing, uh, on art, like the art, excuse me. He'd want to do something amazing on the art, like, um, Olivia Coppell or Pepe Larez, just one of those amazing guys, or I just hold it back. So basically he's, he's saying go big or go home, uh, with this, with this, uh, with this uh, project, if if uh, DC goes along with it, so I guess he's just putting that out there. Next up, Robin Damian Wayne handpicks a, sm- a small team to bring down the Dark Army. Its members including heroes like Power Girl and newcomers to DC Comics. So this is a uh, part of Dark Crisis, the Dark Army number one. I think that's out this week. That is yes. So this story has a preview of that book, so we won't talk too much about it because that book is out right now. Right, and neither one of us read it also. So, right. Uh, speaking of uh, going back to what I just mentioned earlier, Nightwing's new Titans base sets up uh, a setup base is in one of DC's most dangerous cities. So in Nightwing 101, uh, Dick Grayson brings the Titans to Bloodhaven, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I guess this is reminding me. Um, solicitations for February 2023 are out for DC Marvel and others. So that's where some of this news is coming from. Um, but yeah, it says here's, it says that the issue uh, Nightwing 101 takes place after Dark Crisis on Independence Earth's event. Um, and um, it says here that after a talk with Superman... Nightwing gathers a group of friends to be the premier league in the DC universe and moves their base of operations to Bloodhaven, like I said. So wait, so wait, wait. That's, is that out already? Is that, What's that? Uh, Nightwing 101, or is that coming? No, I that's, think that's, that's, that's coming. No, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's still a station. Never mind, I just said it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting late, folks. Next up. Yeah, we're both kind of dragging here right now. Lex Luthor convinces... Or has convinced a major Superman villain to work for him. So this is, I believe, this week's issue of Action Comics number 1049. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to, again, talk too much about it, but it reveals how Lex Luthor forces a dangerous Superman villain to work for him. And it involves murder, framing someone else, and more. Because that's how Lex rolls. Pretty much. And I'm pretty sure, I feel like this 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 person would do it for peanuts. Or has. <laughs> But anyway, Shazam stars Zachary Levi co-writes his DC Heroes new comic book. So, 
uh, this was announced in the solicitation, February solicitations. Says the anthology one shot Shazam Fury of the Gods special Shazam Ali uh, Matters number one. Oh my That's God. A, yeah. Oh my God. That hurt me just to hear that. <laughs> hey, you didn't have to say it. Um, features, it features stories co written by Shazam stars Decker Levi and actors Grace uh, Caroline Curry, Ross Butler, DJ Cortrona, uh, uh, Adam Brody, and Faith Herman. Uh, no making good, huh? Okay. Uh, the issue also features contributions made by Fury of the Gods screenwriter uh, Henry Gaden and other comic creators such as Colleen Doran, Josh Trujillo, and Steve, uh, Tim Seeley. So this is, again, this is uh, from the solicitations. This is going on sale um, February 28th, 2023. So if you're a Shazam fan, check it out when that happens. Next up. All right, so DC introduces a new ally for Constantine and Batgirl. Meet Xanthi, or Xanthi. Lazarus Planet Dark Fate introduces a new hero created by writer Alyssa Wong and artist Haing Ging, uh, who assists John Constantine and Cassandra Kane. So this character appears to be of Asian descent and uh, is a new sword fighter and is a they. Um, new details are available for Lazarus Planet Dark Fate number one following the release of DC Comics' February 2023 solicitations with one question asking readers what lurks in the corners of the spirit world for new character Xanthi. Okay. Probably better than Swordmaster. <laughs> That's not that hard. No, it's not. I mean, wait, come to think of it, didn't Alyssa Wong write Swordmaster also? I think so. Well, there you go. This, this, uh, Wait, wasn't Alyssa Wong the one that made him the new Iron Fist? I believe that is the case. <laughs> uh, and that's who created this character. Coincidence? Love it. <laughs> you gotta love it. Action Comics shows off Natasha Irons' uh, killer new costume. So, illustrated by uh, artist Kari Randolph for Action Comics 1052 and released as a part of DC's February 2023 uh, solicitations, the issue's variant cover shows off the new design made uh, for Natasha by artist Dan Mora. Uh, instead of a usual metal suit, the new costume adds a sweatshirt-style hood that sports the Superman shield across the torso and shoulders. Uh, the cover shows Natasha geared up while her father, John Henry Irons, uh, that's always tickled me. Um, AKA the original steel floats in the air behind her. Let me see. Do we get a bigger picture of it? Yep. There we go right there. So, and that is also again from the, from, uh, February solicitations. Next up. So DC has revealed that the upcoming action comics, 1050 will officially restore the secret identities for both Superman and his son, John Kent. So that's going to come out in December next month. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Good for them. <laughs> right. At this point, I wasn't sure, you know, whether their secret identity was out. Cause we know that's not the quote unquote original Superman. So what do you mean? If I'm not mistaken, this Superman is from another universe that took over for after the other one died or something. I don't know, man. This this decent. I, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, the I point think, is they're gonna put they're gonna put Clark Kent back out, you know, out front. So yeah, either way, you know, DC's weird. I, I think 
I guarantee I think that's probably what happened, but I don't keep up with that stuff like that. It's kind of crazy, though. Um, Scooby-Doo's Daphne uh, has been drafted to be the new Batgirl, and I believe that's for this week's uh, Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries number two. Uh, it says here in the newly released second issue of the second volume of Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, the original Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, is left indisposed. Let us hope it's not in the ways that we're that folks of a certain vintage might think. Um, as such, Batman himself handpicks uh, Daphne to temporarily take over as Batwoman. Is Batgirl? Is it because of the red hair? Maybe. And yes, yeah, it says maybe. here. Now it says here, Bat Barbara takes fellow red-haired Daphne to her secret hideout, the Clock Tower, where she bestows the iconic costume onto her. <laughs> As Batgirl Daphne then hits the streets with Barbara once again assuming the role of Oracle. When did Daphne learn how to fight? Okay, you know what? We're not going. <laughs> We're not going to do this. Um, but yeah, there's uh, preview pages for the issue, which now I'm kind of slightly curious to read. Um, next up. Things from Another World has promoted Jules Morales to Vice President of Retail Operations and Dark Horse Comics promoted Kara O'Neill to Vice President of Marketing. Congratulations to both of them. Yeah. Um, boop. Archie Comics reinvents Betty as Horror Girl Comics' quote-unquote final girl. So, um, Archie has announced Chilling Adventures presents Betty, the final girl number one, which is slated to hit uh, comic shops on February 15th, 2023, as a part of our, uh, of the Archie Horror imprint. Uh, the one shot comes from the writing team of Nicole Ostow, or Osto, uh, Casey Gilly, and Sam Maggs, the artistic team of Lara Braga, uh, Natalie Nardoza, and Carola Borelli. Colorist Matt Herms, and letterer uh, Jack Morelli. It features a main cover by Braga as well as a variant cover by Megan Hutchinson. So this sounds like they're basically doing with Betty what what they did with Sabrina in a way. Um, and we get the uh, solicitation text uh, here, which I will not go into. But if that is curious, as I have seen someone actually be curious about this, check it out. Next up. Last but not least this week, and it may seem early, but guess what, folks? The Free Comic Book Day Retailer Selection Committee has selected 44 comic book titles for the industry's most anticipated annual event to take place on Saturday, May 6th at participating comic shops worldwide. So, guess what, folks? We already know what the new the Free Comic Book Day titles are going to be for May 6th, 2023. So, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them. That's a lot to go through. But you can scroll through this article that Brodicat is showing everyone uh, on the video. And uh, you can check out our show notes for a link to this freecomicbookday.com page. And you will see what is being teased for Free Comic Book Day in May 2023. Specifically May 6th. So guess what, folks? You know, the comic books keep on churning. You know, Proud Mary keep on turning. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and as and as happened in years past, and this year is no different, a lot of times the 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 free comic book days for the major companies 
will infer what's to come uh, throughout the course of the the year. I, I don't right. doubt this this next year is going to be any different. And that, folks, is the end of the news section. Before we get the last ad read, let me just do a really, 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 really quick uh, show and tell, which I totally forgot to tell Agent 70 about uh, prior to the show. But all I have to do is reach behind me in this, vir- you know, in this physical, virtual reality of mine and pull out this box, which is making a hell of a lot of noise. I apologize for that. And pull out. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Sorry. <laughs> this is my first time actually looking at this, folks. Um, oh, no. I got a new. Uh, I got a figure in the mail that I bought. Unfortunately, I don't. We don't get free shit around here. We have to buy things. Uh, bam. Hopefully, this is that, if that plays a little bit. It'll play if I do this. There we go. Ta-da! So this is the Transformers Shattered Glass uh, Soundwave figure. Um, yes, it does transform into a cassette deck. It does have tapes, nice. as you can see um, here. Uh, and it also comes with blasters. So in Shattered Glass, basically the Autobots are the bad guys and the uh, and the uh, Decepticons are the good guys. And so they are differently covered and differently, um, slightly differently um, uh, personified, let's say. So, and this is, um, yeah, like I said, this is one of the characters. I don't think, oh yeah, it does. Okay. I was about to say, I don't think this thing opens, but yes, it does. But it's got a, it's got a thing to it. But it's cool. I So Soundwave is... Probably my favorite Transformer next to Prime, but definitely it definitely is my favorite Transformer. And I have this one, I have another one, and also have Blaster, which granted isn't Soundwave, uh, but still, but just as cool. If you 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 see the connective tissue there, you understand. Um, there's also Sound Blaster, which I'm looking for, um, uh, which is basically the clone of Soundwave for uh, from the Japanese uh, uh, Transformer series that uh, I can find. And um, there's also an MP3 player, which I kind of want, but I don't think it's... Uh, it's um, officially it's, uh, licensed. Officially yeah. licensed, but it's also 120 bucks. But I still kind of want it. So, but yeah, there is that is that. Um, that is my show and tell for the week. Uh, I'm looking forward to opening that as soon as I have some space to do it. And it'll probably be back behind me uh, prominently. But now, enough of that. Let's get one last ad read in, please. Our last ad read of the night, and you know what we read when it's late and we're tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep... The Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Oh, and I forgot to mention, along with that figure, it's the last issue of um, Transformers Shattered Glass 2, which is, as far as I know, the end of the event. I'm not entirely sure, but that's been going on for the last uh, this the last few months. Um, came out this week. I didn't get a chance to read it. 
but I uh, hope to catch up on it uh, pretty soon. Uh, shout out to Danny Lore, who's uh, who's writing uh, those books, uh, that book. So hopefully I get a chance to, to read that pretty soon because I, I am a fan of the Transformers stuff, if that wasn't apparent. Uh, and folks, with that, we come to a close uh, of another comic book chronicles. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for all, all for coming back, coming out rather. Uh, we will be back to our regular schedule of Thursday nights, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, like I said, we only did this because it was a holiday, but given how... Mm, okay, no, no. Uh, yeah, I don't think say... we have any releases to worry about through the end of the year. How do uh, Christmas fall? How, That's what how, I was Christmas just looking falls at. falls on so, the weekend. Right. I know that Christmas falls on the weekend, so we should not have any interruptions for the rest of 2022. Right, which is what I was getting to, but I had to, I had to look that up. It's actually, hey, our, our show is... Yeah, I know that Christmas day. day falls on a Sunday. Right. <laughs> this year, according to, <laughs> this year, Halloween fell on a weekend. Um, right. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, just... Had to have that flash real quick, but uh, more so, yeah. musical references, folks. You know, you know. had to happen. Um, you know, roll down the river to the end of the show. I had to finish that particular lyric. There we go. Even though Halloween didn't fall on the weekend this week, this, this year, that was kind of a bummer. Um, because every time that happens, I love saying that first. Anywho, like I said, we will be back next week, Thursdays, nine thirty ish p.m. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um. I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at Rydicat on Hive also if you want to do that thing while it's, you know, however. Twitter's still in flux. We don't know what's going on. Um, you can, News Nurse Need at Twitter, like I said, TB Caps on Instagram. Gram. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. I mean, you know, some people are showing I was going to say, Rydicat, Rydicat took that into a very different era of talking about women's legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some folks showing their legs on Instagram, so we, it's not too far <laughs> off. There's some men also showing their legs on Instagram, so there's not That's too far true. off uh, on that point. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, I'm going to put the mic back down. Uh, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop culture network on Twitter. Uh, uh, pop culture and, yes, pop culture and network.com is all his umbrella sites there in. Uh, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. C B Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Chronicles Twitter account. Um, and also, he's over at uh, comicbook.com where he's writing his face off. Go check him out. Uh, Timothy Adams. I don't know if we, I don't remember if we had anything uh, that he wrote in the, in the lineup, but nevertheless, our boy's writing his face off over there. Go check him out. Read his stuff. Give him some clicks. Please. Him, um, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you could also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the great five-star reviews. Oh, hey, we're also on Hive, Comic Book Cron. Um, so, yeah, uh, that that is us. That You see the logo? If you see the logo, that is actually us. Unless somebody stole it, but they did not. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, they did not trust me. I know because I've set it up. Um, 
you could find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. on youtube.com slash theclicknation and twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button so that you know when we are on live. Yeah, and audio. leave us all the good reviews. Yeah, see if you're playing. Um, yeah, audio comes out uh, a day or two after the show, after I get them the show uh, to CSPN. Um, so, yeah. But with that, folks, we will return next week. Uh, no Andor, with just, just straight up books and, and news and all kind of good jazz. Um, and I will have probably seen come the, 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 the holiday special by then. But nevertheless, it's, it's yeah, we'll probably talk the holiday special very, very briefly. It's not that long. Right. You know, there's not that much to it. But, yeah, it's still fun. And, you know, by that point, that's probably going to be the only newish content that we'll have to talk about that's not comic book related. Basically. And with that, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one and in honor of our clean sweep for click of the week. And knowing is half the battle.